If you didn't know it until now, you are the Common Sense Nation. And this is Radio Free Almond. Good morning, you bunch of drunks. going on happy monday happy monday ryan dude i went out to i had to quickly go out to my car because i decided that i have to finally gonna have to suck it up and use this reader uh you know yeah i gotta use the reader sometimes that's all there is to it so I went out to my car, and dude, your wind- all your windows are open. Stop. I am not kidding you. Stop. Did you do that on purpose? I'm serious. Every single one of your windows is down. I am not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. See, then you're going to make me exercise and I'm going to go out there and check my windows, which aren't down. See, I can see it in your face. Man, he's going to run out. Matt says they all, all your windows are down. This is Because you were, because you were, because you were blowing a, a big old fat doobie on the way in. And you wanted to just act like you weren't. So you kept all your windows open. <laughs> I thought maybe it was just to air it out or something. Well, we get in before the crack of dawn. You, you, you can't see anything or anything of the sort. So, yeah, it's, it's all open. I, I, I don't think he keeps anything in the, in the car. Like, like, if I kept all my windows open, half my life would be gone by now. It would be, it'd be stolen blind. Of course, they'd steal a bunch of shirts. Yeah, there might be an empty beer bottle in there they could exchange for cash. And then just a bunch of papers and stuff like that. That's about it. Well, happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Almond. And certainly hope you all had a great weekend. And let me tell you something: it uh, it was crazy. First, we had Hillary with her whole. What were they? They were down. I'm t- dude. I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't even understand that. How is that possible? The with only a thing button I really ever truly have lied to you about was the milk snake. <laughs> Other that than was that, it. you'll never lie to me. It was the only time. Okay. Well, that's that's actually yeah. That that's the only time I'm ever really actually going to to lie to you. It's 
when it comes is to the, when it comes to the milk snake story. Fair enough. So just so you all know, although even though the milk snake story is true, I <laughs> think there are elements of it that are still a lie. I'm just telling you. You think there's elements that are true. Okay. There is such a thing as a milk snake. There is. It just doesn't do what I tell you to do. Anyway. Good morning this morning, everybody. So, uh, again, I'm going to put some pictures up on Facebook. I got I got a lot of pictures in from the Thursday night happy hour that I still want to put on Facebook. I'll put, I'm going to put them on my private page this time because I figure I feel like I'm neglecting that a little bit, even though I think most of the people who are my private friends are also my public friends on the public page. But... It's neither here nor there. Did you see, by the way, there was a... I'm on Twitter, by the way, as Radio Free Almonds. So just so you guys know that if you're on with me on Twitter, on the jalman971, please go ahead and follow me on Radio Free Almonds. So we're going to be there, and that's where I am. Already had a couple of uh, parody accounts, by the way, and uh, by one guy who there's a guy on Twitter who completely exposed this individual and basically just called him out and and exposed the entirety of this guy's rig. And he was tweeting things to people with the Radio Free Almond moniker, and they were horrible. So he'd, he'd like, change an L or put an extra N on him, and he'd tell people he hopes their mother dies and Israel is horrible. And, I mean, it was just unbelievable what was going on there and finally you know at some point folks we got to fight back and hold these people to account and this guy wound up having to just lock down erase all of delete his accounts do all this kind of thing and it was just unbelievable the kind of uh, stuff that he was putting out there he used my picture everything from everything from my from our regular page everything from the regular twitter page that? all that kind of thing and he basically was in a situation where he uh, just copied everything about my page except just filled in certain things. Now, it's legal to do that on Twitter in, in, unless you are making money off of it or, or using it to defame other people, that kind of thing. So there are, you know, it's, it's legal, but it doesn't mean that you are essentially – insulated from people mocking you or sometimes even putting your phone number up there. I suggested, because we have his phone number, I suggested that since he has his own radio show, maybe the talk lines ought to be open. <laughs> and people can all call him and and tell him what they what <laughs> they think of his, of his show. Yeah. His radio-free all-man show with the two ends <laughs> at the end. And we'll see how he likes that. But we're going to spare him that, at least for the time being, uh, because... You know, we we don't want to do harm to the person, but we definitely do want to make sure we expose him. All right, so over the weekend we had the Sunday snoozer shows, and they were all talking about this shooting, the Santa Fe, Texas shooting, and about gun control uh, that they're calling gun safety legislation. And all that this school shooting proves is that really in the end, guns are not the problem at all. It's these kids and some of these kids who basically just decide that this is kind of a cool thing to do because they've seen it done before. I do believe there's a lot of copycat stuff going on, and these individuals just see... The one guy in Parkland, he had researched heavily 
the whole Columbine shooting. He he knew what was going on. These kids are deliberate. They're weird. Their parents stink, and they're not paying attention to them. And the schools aren't either. And some in some cases, yeah, they're being bullied. There, there are a lot of kids who are being bullied who aren't shooting up a a, a yeah. school. However, so that kind of is a little bit off the rocker. Interesting enough. Now they are, in order to bolster their case in the situation regarding gun control, what they've done is now decided they're going to stack up the number of people, number of kids killed in school shootings, and compare them. And, and this t- takes a long time. You have to figure out, a, you have to really crunch numbers to get to the number that George Stephanopoulos is just about to lay on you. Listen to this. Santa Fe, the ninth fatal school shooting this year, reflected in this stunning fact. There have now been more students or teachers killed by guns in U.S. schools than active duty military deaths in 2018. Okay, so of course that is insinuating somehow that it's even worse than a war zone in these schools. And it's funny how actually they never really thought about stacking this kind of death toll up in Chicago, for instance, right. uh, when, when they talked about a gun control environment, Chicago, run by a bunch of Democrats, they never talked about the comparison between Chicago dun, gun deaths and deaths in Afghanistan and Iraq. But here is the truth about, for instance, in, in Chicago, average of 12 people shot every day, shootings and homicides have become a grim normality for some residents. This is according to uh, Niall McCarthy writing in Forbes. And this is an article that, took, that was written in 2016. In 2015, 2,988 people were shot, and 2016's figure already stands at 2,949. And in order to illustrate the sheer extent of violence in Chicago... A BBC report, okay, this is the British Broadcasting Corporation, a BBC report. Now, the reason why I am emphasizing that is because it takes a foreign journalistic operation to do the reporting that American outlets, or even for that matter, the Chicago Sun-Times should be doing. But see, they, they care so little about, for instance, blacks dying on the streets of Chicago. They care so little about gun violence, even when it happens in a gun control environment. They care so little about people dying in Democrat-controlled enclaves that they just ignore these comparisons and instead wait for a school shooting where a couple of white kids get blown up and then suddenly it becomes a problem. That's the truth. The truth of the matter is, in order to get recognized in any way, shape, or form as a shooting victim in the United States, you got to basically be shot in a group. Because if you're gunned down in Chicago as just another one of like one of 12 homicides a day, they don't care about you. And they don't care about you even more if you happen to be black. And they don't care about you even more if you happen to be in Chicago. And they don't care about you even more when you're in a city that is run by Democrats. And they don't care about you even more when you're in a city and you're killed and the gun control laws are tougher than they are in any part of the country. So anyway, BBC report compared the number of deaths 
with the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan since 2001. And this is just this is two years ago. So I'm just I'm just giving you two year old information because, by the way, it's the only article I can find where the comparison is even made other than George. Because you because you because. Well, and that comparison's only made. On Sunday, when something happens in Santa Fe, where they have to juice up the narrative and keep promoting this idea that we need more gun control here except instead of more school control, more security, more kid control, more parent control, more teacher control, and everything else. Well, it didn't fit their narrative on this one either because an AR-15 wasn't used. Exactly. Did you notice that? It was just I mean, it was a shotgun and a revolver. His, yeah, it t- takes his, uh, his dad's guns, essentially. So, yeah, so they couldn't find the, the whole, you know, automatic weapon thing. Right. So the BBC reporting since 2001, and again, this is two-year-old information because it's the only time anybody's ever bothered to co- make the comparison – Chicago has experienced 7,916 murders. The number of Americans killed in the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq was 2,384 and 4,500 Do the math. Basically, the Chicago murders are more than the killings of our American soldiers in Afghanistan and Iraq. So, but that doesn't matter. Didn't matter to the American media back in 2016 when these figures were available but again it's because there are a bunch of black folks who were murdered in chicago and they didn't care about and also in obama's hometown and they didn't care about it a whole lot then now they do but you have to be a certain boutique kind of american to get attention in this country when it comes to guns and especially when they can use children at a school to advance a political narrative, which is to promote gun control. And so they don't bother with gun control when just a bunch of blacks are killed in Chicago. They just just forget all about it, actually. These people are ignored, and it takes the BBC to report that kind of thing. Do you find it interesting, you know, I came across some interesting um, comparisons from private school to public schools, because if you have noticed, almost all of these school shootings uh, predominantly have taken place at public schools. I think all of them. Yeah, they have. I'm trying to be. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I was looking at like gang presence at a private school, 2%. Gang presence at public schools, 19%. Odds of becoming a victim of crime, 2% at private school, 4%. So it's double. I know these numbers seem low, but it's double each time. Physical attack by another student, 6% at public schools, 3% at private schools. Why do you think there is, I mean, I feel like I already know, but why do you think these are predominantly done at public schools? Well, there are more kids. It's kind of like when you have a a larger pile of children, you're going to have that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, private schools, some of them, tend to be more monolithic. Some of them are mostly are religious uh, schools. Like they might be a Christian school yep. or they might be a Catholic school or they might be a certain whatever kind of school. It might be a Jewish school, whatever it happens to be. So they, some of them are more streamlined to a one particular faith and they're taught that in schools and that, that's kind of thing. And it and it's also takes a certain kind of family to send their children to a religious school and oftentimes you'll find those children 
are parented a lot more directly than other kids are. So you have a public school, and again, nothing against public schools. I right. mean, I went to a public school. Same. So it's, I'm not saying that public schools are bad, and therefore, in order to uh, uh, help your child survive through <laughs> right, right. grades, you must go to a private school. But the reality is that the, the teaching, teacher, teaching is different. The direction is a little different sure. academically, and there's the presence of faith in the school, that kind of thing. Uh, but with the public school, you just have a bigger pot. You just yeah. have a bigger, yeah. bigger, wider breadth of individuals. And unfortunately, some of them are just simply dumped into classrooms, dumped into schools, and that's kind of where they're at. They're just kind of like wandering around. This kid apparently yeah. you know, was in theater and did all this kind of stuff and, and just snapped, did whatever. But again, the only thing I thought of when the Santa Fe shoot, the shooting happened, the last thing I thought of was, uh-oh, more gun violence at schools. I, I, the, what I said was, uh-oh, another crazy kid, yeah. probably ignored by his parents yeah. and probably angry over something and saw actually a school shooting happened few months ago, and that got a lot of attention, and that's how they do it now. I mean, it's, it's Columbine created all kinds of copycat kinds of crimes and things like that. That's what people kind of do, essentially, is that they – now that's yeah. for, the, for the angst-ridden kid or the, whatever. That's kind of their little just-add-water-and-I'm-famous type of trick. Yeah, I, you know, I just think – going back to your point on public and private, I mean – the problem in my mind is, as a Christian, is that God has been essentially stripped from homes and schools in this country. It's kind of considered now you're you're like an idiot now if you are so small-minded to think that. And so how do you ever expect there to be any uh, sense of uh, right and wrong when you when you have stripped right versus wrong, that everything's just kind of gray now? These things, I, I just don't know why everyone is so shocked when these things happen. This is what happens when there is no difference between right and wrong. It's also what happens when you basically have a culture of death like we do. Yes. Which is reflected in yeah. things that we see, games that we play. I mean, people now pay good money to go see a movie and watch people killed yes. and murdered and everything else. They will just gravitate towards CSI Miami or whatever the hell it is. And they love watching movies and love watching TV shows where people are routinely killed. Some of the same actors that go out there and talk about gun control, their own death toll as actors is probably in the hundreds in terms of people they kill on the movie screen. So these people aren't kidding anybody about what our our culture is all about. And I think it does go back to a certain degree to a general lack of respect for life, a right. culture that basically thinks it's okay to vacuum human babies yep. out of wombs in the thousands, you're going to get kind of that kind of dismissiveness. Now, I'm not saying that abortion is the reason why this guy shot people in school, but there is a certain element of a culture uh, and, and, and a cultural reflection of what your own mores are. And again, I'm not blaming this on Grand Theft Auto either. There are a lot of kids who play games who don't go out there and shoot people. The reality is school shootings, while they are tumultuous and horrible, they're pretty rare. 
when you when you think about it, there are a lot of students out there who are angry, who have breakups, who play video games, who watch horrible movies and TV shows, who don't go out and kill people. Bottom 100%. line. I mean, that, that's just is the reality there. Much like it is when it comes to people with PTSD. There are a lot of people with PTSD who don't go out and shoot people up. I remember they used to be like the postal worker or the Vietnam veteran yeah, or that yeah. kind of thing. There are a lot of people who are, for instance, even depressed, who are on medication, who don't go out and kill people, which is why one of the things I really have a problem with is this idea somehow that we have to restrict guns for the mentally ill. And I don't really know where you're going to define mentally ill That's because the problem. when you consider so many people in the population in this country that happens to suffer from bipolar disease, well, those people, some of them, most of them are on medication and have every right to defend themselves like anybody else out there, even people who are schizophrenic. There are plenty of people who out there who are schizophrenic who are, are being managed with. Sure. Drugs and those kinds of things that actually should not be stripped of the right to protect themselves. This is why that is an unbelievably slippery slope when Absolutely. you start getting into the government determining your mental capability. Yeah, no doubt. And and that's you know, that's why I have an issue with that. But again, I do think that another example would be this is another you think do you think that the News media will say maybe this is why we need school choice. So if people really are afraid to be in a particular school, because some kids are going to these schools and they have no choice, right? And and, and they're they're they maybe are even in a violent situation. The other question I have, which I find interesting, and I that I think people need to look at where the school shootings are occurring. You notice they're not occurring at, for instance, inner city schools. You notice, you notice that, that the massacres in yeah. schools are not occurring in North St. Louis or they're not occurring in inner city schools. It's white suburbia. Right. Now, why do you think they're not secure, uh, occurring in inner city schools? Well, first of all, I'm not quite sure that every school has metal detectors or every school has security. But believe me, the security at a school in North St. Louis is far superior to the security of a school in suburbia. They're on heightened alert 24-7 in a lot of these inner-city schools. I know it because I'm friends with people. I'm family with people who work in a lot of these schools. Yeah. I mean, and and listen, again, you might say, well, we don't... And the problem is a lot of these suburban schools and these people in suburbia think they are above having security in their schools. Remember what happened in Parkland when they all wanted something done about school security. They said, okay, we'll lock it down, we'll have guards, we'll have metal detectors, and we'll have certain hours where the doors are locked. And they're like, this is just like a prison! It's like, yeah, well, you know what? If that's what you want, because they're more than happy to go ahead and take your guns away from you to prevent school violence, but they don't want any metal detectors, they don't want any armed teachers, they don't want any locked doors. They want that kind of freedom, and they want to feel better about it, like the George Stephanopoulos of the world. They all want to feel better about it by simply restricting your right to defend yourself. But clear backpacks? No way. I was just going to say, the clear backpacks. No, yeah. we can't do that. That's horrible. You guys are, you know, it's just like a prison. So these people want to have it both ways, and they don't want to face the reality. 
and so they're more than happy to go ahead and and basically piss all over your Second Amendment rights just so they don't have to have security because then it means their school is dangerous and they don't want that. I, I The security thing to me is just such common sense to this whole thing. I mean, just better security at schools. I mean, it is they talk about soft targets in the United States for terrorism and everything else. I mean, our schools are, they're just sitting ducks for this kind of violence. It's, it's shocking that they don't just improve the security of schools. It's like when we have the thing with the TSA and all these people yeah. who are bitching about how uh, this is an indignity having to take my shoes off and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I said, well, you know what? Uh, how about this? How about if the airlines go ahead and hire their own security? Like if I'm American Airlines and I need to protect my airline. I'll just hire Blackwater and, 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 and see what it's like to have Blackwater yeah. running security for American Airlines. Right now, taking your shoes off and getting checked. And then also people believe that flying is a, uh, a right Correct. as opposed to a privilege. So they believe they should be able to fly anywhere and never be checked. Their persons or body be checked in order to get on an airplane. When in fact, an airplane is a commercially run operation, and airlines have every right to protect their commercial interests by not having some goofball on there hijacking the thing. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's a, well. You were talking about. I think it was last week when you brought up Israel. And the defense of Israel, you said when you would walk through an airport in Israel, I mean, people think, are TSAs intense? I mean, you were describing. Yeah, they the- just walk up to you and, and they'll ask you where you're going. And then after they're done asking you where you're going, it'll be five more minutes and somebody else will come up to you and ask you where you're going. You imagine if that happened in All America? All with an M5 in their hand. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's, it's unbelievable. But no, I did... People say, well, the inner city, what's the difference? And I'd have to go back to a joke that I don't know whether you've ever heard Chris Rock and his rendition of, of like blacks and whites yes. and crimes they yeah. commit and how odd it is that it's like it's always the white dude that will like they it's not good enough just to shoot somebody over five dollars. They have to basically chop them up and put them in freezers <laughs> and eat them. White people are so weird. And, and, and he also pointed out, and I think he's kind of, it's kind of true, that you have a very few numbers of black people who will kill their parents, which is, kind of, which is kind of weird. Like, it doesn't happen. Like, you rarely have a situation where some black hmm. kid offs his parents in, 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 at home the way white kids do. And I think he's just, I don't know why that is, but I do know. It's a pretty that, solid point. I do know that you can make comparisons, though, to why an inner city school doesn't experience mass shootings and why a suburban school does is because the suburban people have their heads in the sand. They, they want this. They're, they're usually a bunch of liberals, right? And they, and they, and they don't want this tarnished, this metal detector or whatever else in their schools because it'll give their schools a bad image. And so yeah. the, the, the idea of their schools having metal detectors is way too gauche for uh, the yeah. elites out there. And so they don't want to have them. And But it's, if you go to any inner city school, it's pretty locked down. Now, you will appreciate the answer, though, that was given by uh, the, Governor Patrick, who was interviewed by George Stephanopoulos. He opened with this whole thing. And Dan Patrick, who's the lieutenant governor there in Texas, was, was this was the setup. And I'll replay you, all, the already my already 
the, the, I already debunked Stephanopoulos and the more teacher schools, students or teachers killed by guns than U.S. schools in active duty military deaths in 2018. It's the first time they've ever actually been, A, concerned about military deaths and, B, concerned about people and, C, concerned about comparing, comparing them in any way, shape or form together. Uh, and again, as I, if you're just joining us, I, I used the BBC article as an example back in 2016 where it took a foreign media outlet to actually discuss the deaths in Chicago compared to the deaths in Iraq and Afghanistan. At that time, nobody really cared about those deaths in Chicago, and we know why. But anyway, here, let's play it for the This year, video. reflected in this stunning fact, there have now been more students or teachers killed by guns in U.S. schools than active duty military deaths in 2018 a year not even halfway over. Our first guest this week, Lieutenant Governor of Texas, Dan Patrick. Uh, Governor Patrick, thank you for joining us this morning. Of course, our condolences go out to the community, the families there in Texas this morning. But I wonder if you can reflect on that statistic I just read. More students killed by gun violence in schools than active duty military deaths in 2018. George, should we be surprised in this nation? We have devalued life, whether it's through abortion, whether it's the breakup of families, through violent movies, and particularly violent video games. But, you know, we also have violent video games in other developed countries. We have Twitter and Facebook in other developed countries. So how do you explain another stunning statistic? Americans of high school age are 82 times more likely to die of gun homicide than their peers in the rest of the developed world. That has to be connected to the availability of guns, doesn't it? Uh, no, it doesn't have to be, George, and I can't compare one country with another country. Because you, you, you can't compare one country with another country. People talk about, for instance, the gun laws in Australia yes. as opposed to the gun laws in the United States. But one thing they're forgetting is that there is the likelihood of even a homeless person in Australia is pretty much zero percent. There is almost zero poverty in Australia. Everybody has a job in Australia. There aren't ghettos in Australia. There aren't even inner cities in Australia. There aren't people who are uneducated in Australia, very few of them, unless it's by choice. And when I say uneducated, meaning uh, in schools or with a college degree, but that's, that, that was the thing I argued with the, the, the people with the, in, who were running against Trump and they talked about the uneducated. I actually think that that's a liberal uh, terminology when I know a lot of people who are very highly educated who never went to school at all. That's right. I'm just telling yeah. you. But, but what I mean is that, that you know, people, it, it's a fairly rich country and it's fairly monolithic in its whole makeup. And there are a lot of people who are basically disenfranchised from the society the way, for instance, they are here right. uh, in in the United States. And the, that disenfranchisement is because of a poor economy overseen by none other than Barack Obama, who was supposed to be the big rescuer. He was supposed to take everybody to the promised land, but wound up with high black unemployment rates. Uh, There's been very little change in uh, kids graduating from high school, that kind of thing. And so, yeah, we're, we're a different country with different demands, with more desperation and with people, but but the interesting thing is, you never have these discussions though about Chicago. I, I keep going back to that because it, it takes, for instance, another school shooting for Stephanopoulos to even worry about gun deaths. 
it, 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 it's it's ridiculous. So they they make these comparisons. They talk about the, the different countries and and their own gun laws, but they don't care unless it's a bunch of white kids at a suburban school. Yeah, I mean, otherwise, right. if you're black. You know, again, you're, the best bet if you're black in Chicago is to be killed in a group because if you're just one person, you're just you're added to the to the corpse heap, and that's yeah. what happens in Chicago. I mean, you're talking about Chicago, but I mean, realistically, St. Louis isn't that far off. You don't hear anything even about wise. our right. You don't even hear anything about our city. None of these matter to these. George type of people. Well, and and they really, I go back to this whole thing about the the liberal mentality. Sometimes right. they don't they don't really care about these kids. They they don't even know the names of these kids who are, have been killed. And it's funny how it's interesting how we hear even when Parkland happened. Notice how we didn't really hear a lot of stories about the victims. No, the one story we did hear was about the father who happened to be a Trump supporter, and oh, yeah. he was roundly attacked on Twitter, that kind of thing. But you don't hear, you don't see a lot of kids profiled uh, in, in the news. In fact, there's more attention paid to the shooter and the whys and the what therefores and what really is happening here. They want to get inside the minds of these kids, but you don't really hear a whole lot about the victims. And that's because... All they are are props in the world of George Stephanopoulos. He doesn't really care about I – mean, if he really cared about gun deaths, they'd do a running tally every single day yeah. of gun deaths in Chicago. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, that would reflect poorly on the Democrat-run machine that, that is running Chicago right. and on Obama's hometown. But if they really cared about gun deaths, they'd be talking about this every single day because yeah. – Every single day, it's a problem, whether, as you point out, in St. Louis or whether it's in Chicago or beyond, it's an issue every single day. And why, when a bunch of white kids get killed, it becomes an issue all of a sudden is beyond me. But my hunch is that it becomes a nice little package, license vehicle that they can, like a Trojan horse they can climb into to change the gun laws here. Which is all they really want. It's it's merely to push the liberal agenda, which is all these people actually care about. You're and right. what's crazy is victims. Even when it doesn't ha- even when it does happen, when you do have gun control laws, it doesn't work. And Chicago again is yes. a great example of that. The strictest gun laws you're going to find in the country, and yet the highest homicide rate you're going to find anywhere. And right there, it's proof that gun control doesn't work. It absolutely does. And they'll never talk about that. We've, we've seen, it's kind of like when we talk about what socialism has brought throughout the world. And all you have to do is look at Venezuela and what's happening there. They, they basically just, again, reinvested in these people who are leading them into the, into the dark hole. Uh, poverty and socialism there. But when we look at socialism and how it's proven time and time again how it doesn't work, and we can see proof time and time again about how gun control doesn't work, but they continue to ignore that. They continue to ignore the fact that Chicago is a strict gun control city, and yet has the highest homicide rate. They, they grasp at straws. I've, I've heard the, the argument be made uh, what the liberals say on that side of, of the gun issue is they say, well, 
the reason why Chicago's uh, homicide rate is so high is it's the states that border it that have lax gun laws that allow guns. This is what they say. This is the picture that they paint, that it allows guns to flow into Chicago when you've got nothing. That should be an Olympic gold medal uh, yeah. for that kind of uh, calisthenic, that Correct. kind of stretch. That yeah, kind of, it's what they say. Oh, it's unbelievable. They actually blame part of it on Missouri. Yeah, well, they, they'll blame it on everything but the reality, and that is that a poor economy, a completely disenfranchised mm-hmm. group of individuals in one place, desperation. They never look at the pathologies around gun violence. They always just look at the guns. And in order to deal with things, and you know, we almost got there in the Parkland shooting issue. There were some sensible people, some of them even on the Democrat side, Mm -hmm. who talked about how, you know what, maybe we ought to try to work on this issue regarding mental illness. Maybe we ought to work within the schools, and and we saw what happened to this kid in Parkland where basically he was purposely ignored because in order to get a certain level of funding, you can't have a certain level of troubled kids. And so they were using this model, which wasn't created by Obama, but was adopted essentially around the country Based on Florida schools, Dade County schools had an entire process by which they purposely shoved troubled kids under the rug right. so as not to have stats that would prevent federal funding going their way. So on down the line, they just kind of undercut it, didn't help these kids, and that's the bottom line. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, obviously the parent situation is a, is a troubling one. But let's say those those kids who don't have parents, well, there's no way to kind of step in and help those individuals right. because they were busy trying to avoid having to put them in the in the stat column to avoid having to uh, face the music when it comes to funding. So a lot of ancillary issues and very few of the – when we look at the problems – very few of the solutions actually go back to guns. They go back to all kinds of different things. And I think yes. Governor, uh, Lieutenant Governor Patrick kind of hit on that a little bit when he talked oh, he about the culture of death. And, and they don't, but they don't want to hear that. They want to compare us to Norway. Yes. And, 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 and you, just, you just can't do it. A, comparing us to these monolithic societies, whether they be ethnically monolithic or socially monolithic or economically monolithic, you're never going to really actually have a situation where you you can't compare this country to Norway. You just can't do it. It's interesting to read some of the comments on Facebook, people weighing in and, you know, people say many schools ship the troublemakers to surrounding schools so they don't have to deal with it, which is a lot of what you were talking about, kind of pushing these kids uh, under the rug and uh, instead of addressing the problem and being proactive, I mean, I think I, I, I just couldn't agree more with with what you said, that it is multiple things. It's not one thing that would solve the issue. It is There's a lot at play here when it comes to school safety and preventing yep. these school shootings. But it's but it's difficult. The media doesn't want to do it because it's easier just to simply say, oh, this is a gun issue. Oh, this mm-hmm. is an is- this issue. And it's easier to go after that because ultimately what happens is when you have to address all the pathologies, you suddenly learn that, hmm, mm-hmm. 
there's one party with policies that actually reverse economic growth, reverse the number of stakeholders in the economy, create more desperation, all these things. And so when you go back to the pathologies, and I'm convinced that, that a lot of it has to do with our economy, a lot mm-hmm. of it has to do with people. That, look, look at what's happening in Chicago, where you have entire neighborhoods and things like that that might as well just be a different country because they're separated, where, where sometimes even the police really don't go. And that's bad. I mean, that, that's, and that's where all these people are getting killed. If you go to Chicago, for instance, uh, and uh, there's actually a website that many of you might be interested in. It's called Hey Jackass. For real? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And it's called HeyJackass.com. And it's all about murder in Chicago. And it'll tell you what neighborhoods. In fact, in Chicago, basically, there are only three neighborhoods in Chicago where a majority of the murders are happening. Same thing with St. Louis, but it's called HeyJackass.com. And you'll see the reality of uh, who's killing who, why it's happening, where it's happening. And you'll realize that it's not happening in the Gold Coast. It's not happening where people are prospering, where people have jobs, where families are together. It's not happening in these areas. It's happening in places that are the exact opposite when it comes to those uh, pathologies. And it it can all be traced back to the culpability of certain policies that we have instituted in our inner cities and run by people who just simply don't care. And they keep shoving money at the problem. Uh, the, 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 or as, as, as one of the people on Facebook pointed out, they'll move these people over yeah. there instead of dealing with the issue, and they'll never really address the issue. That's why I believe, when Pascal was in a while back, why I believe ultimately we're going to see a change in our inner cities and even in our larger cities based on the economic prosperity we're seeing right now, where you have right now black unemployment at its lowest it's ever been, yep. in large part because of the economic boost that has been basically installed by the Trump presidency. So it's going to take a while. It will. And then ultimately people are going to have to realize that progressive Democrat policies, when it comes to running a city, simply do not work. And, and, and Chicago is a premier prime example of that. I'm not blaming this all on. I mean, there are certain Democrats, obviously, we've had a few listen to the show who are more conservative, fiscally conservative, that kind of thing. But other than that, you have basically a lot of people who just simply take on this mode, and all it does is increase the pathologies that lead to gun violence, not decrease them. Bottom line. And you know what? Simple security in school would be nice. Amen. If, if people would just simply suck it up, and, and and these people in suburbia would just kind of admit maybe there could be a problem here and there, then some kind of security would be great. I would feel so much more comfortable if my kids walked through metal detectors. I would feel a lot more comfortable as a parent dropping my kid off at school. They don't like that, though. Nope. They hurts their do image. not like that. Yep, Definitely. Without further ado, how about this? Henry Davis coming in in about 45 minutes. Henry Davis, as you all know, as a rock star, used to have him on the Allman Report all the time. Occasionally, of course, on, uh, on the radio show as well. And Hillary Clinton gives the commencement address at Yale and winds up wearing a Russia. Uh, I mean, this is it's unbelievable, but we'll get to it. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem. 
guys I know. <laughs> Sorry, thou shalt not interrupt Dickie Vance. When you care about I'm going back and forth with them on me. time and central time right. So I wanted the Carafano on at 7.30 central. central. The 8.30 Eastern. He's like, I, I got to do it earlier than that, blah, 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 later than that. And I said, well, how about, then they said, well, 8 o'clock Eastern is great. So I'm taking 7 o'clock Central. And I'm, I'm, we're going back and forth and just not getting the Eastern <laughs> time. And you'd be amazed at how, like, we're all supposed to be, like, really smart people. <laughs> and yet he and I are both just, you know, going back and forth. Remember that one time that he thought he was supposed to be calling in on Friday for crying out oh, loud? Oh, yeah, I remember that. And actually, it was, it was Monday. So Jimmy's a busy guy. He needs an assistant. Uh, yeah, he, does. <laughs> he, does. he has an assistant. Oh, okay. And Kareen is great. Okay. But it's just kind of hard to get them nailed down. So we might just kind of figure out, oh, we're going to go ahead and have them on on, uh, and on Wednesday and okay. be done with it. You know? Yeah. Do you see what's going on with this whole Russiagate thing? And the president, of course, wisely saying, awesome. hey, you know what? Uh, I, want, I want the Department of Justice to essentially – investigate the FBI. Absolutely. And I think it's high time we do with the news of this Cambridge professor being outed as an FBI informant inside the Trump campaign. And you know Obozo knew about this. And you also know that Hillary Clinton knew about this. You know that... What's going on out there? I'm not sure. Hey, guys, shut up. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so I don't know who's back there, but somebody's... It's like having a party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's not insulated right there, that door. <laughs> so, uh, 
Uh, I'm sorry. Sometimes you just got to yeah. lay it out there and tell people to shut their traps. So here's the deal. This Cambridge professor with deep ties to American and British intelligence has been outed uh, as one of the agents who snooped on the Trump presidential campaign for the FBI. 73-year-old dude. And he's out there, yeah. and, and, and he's infiltrating the Trump campaign by trying to talk with Papalopoulos and Carter Page and these guys. Apparently, at one point, there was even some drinks exchanged between the two, and they're, you know, yeah. uh, it's, it's this crazy. Is, this is a wild story. I think as this story un- unfolds, it's going to be dramatic. Uh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And now, though, what we're going to hear all day long are the situations where, oh, how dare you undermine our law enforcement? This is tor- terrible. 100%. Only dictators do that. Only people, you know, mm-hmm. how dare you? Uh, these people have worked, I remember with the CIA, and it was when people were attacking Brennan and these guys and the deep state. And it was always, well, these people have worked their entire patriots. lives to protect this country. They're patriots. You shall not talk ill will of them or in any ill manner against them. And yet, look at Brennan. Look at these guys. Yeah. Brennan's out there tweet storming and threatening people all the time. And I got to tell you, it's pretty dramatic the way this is all going to unfold. Now, this guy's 73 years old. His name is Stefan Halper. And he met with the Trump campaign, Carter Page, George Papalotopoulos, starting in the summer of 2016. Now, this guy... You're like, well, wait a minute. How's he? He's just a Cambridge professor. How's this happening? Well, he served in the Nixon, Ford, and Reagan administrations. And you know darn well, all those pencil pushers in the deep state know this guy because they've all been there for 40 years. They know who this guy is. So uh, FBI sources essentially admitted sending this guy to snoop on the Trump camp. And the FBI essentially at this point is suspected of maybe attempting to entrap the president and his campaign. The idea, I, I love what you said, you know, because this is what will happen. Everyone's going to come out and say, you can't, you know, these are patriots. You can't, you know, you can't question the FBI or CIA. This is precisely why we want to. It, it is checks and balances. If you don't keep a thumb on these agencies, they are at the end of the day, just people. Right. And left unchecked, unfettered, if you will, they will run wild. Well, they well they have, and and that's part of the problem with this whole Jeff Sessions thing too, yes. because he the guy is has recused himself, which in my opinion, at this point, I do believe that Sessions ought to go, because here's the problem: him recusing himself means that he can't touch any of this kind of stuff. It's always got to be somebody under him. Now, I will tell you that I do believe Jeff Sessions has been really good to the Trump administration, was an early supporter of the Trump campaign, was a guy who stood up for him, and I admire him for that, and I appreciate what he's done. But when he recused himself, in my opinion, I think he threw the campaign and Trump under the bus. I also have suspicions that Sessions knew what was going on and because sessions and these guys you you know how this is these guys are all tied sessions has been around for decades and knows the ins and outs of what's happening here and once i think he discovered that he was possibly going to have to start to dig in 
to some of the people he's known for decades. I think like, at that time he goes, I'm all recused myself from anything related to Russia. It's like, dude, uh, now he can't do anything, and it's got to be his underlings who wind up doing it. And that's not good enough. You need to have a leader out there, somebody who's going to go balls to the wall on this, which is why, to tell you the truth, I think he ought to dump Sessions and get Rudy Giuliani in there as the brand-new attorney general and just start to unload on these guys in the FBI and the deep state. People gave Rudy a hard time lately with all these media interviews yeah. and on the conservative side. They don't think he's done a great job defending Trump. He's done an excellent job defending Trump because he's done exactly what President Trump is paying him to do, which is go out there and litter the airwaves with confusion. <laughs> And, and, and that's, that's precisely what, believe me, Giuliani wouldn't be opening his mouth in any way, shape, or form or talking this way without permission from the Trump camp and, and from the Trump White House. And there's, there's no way Giuliani is out there as a rogue. And the problem is, though, a lot of these people who are on the conservative side who don't think Giuliani's doing him any favors, that, that's just on the surface you think he's not doing him any favors but look what happened when Giuliani went out there. The news media and others were driven nuts. They, yeah. they didn't know what to do with it. They were given so much information, yeah. and they were giving, given so much in-their-face stuff. This was certainly purposeful on the part of the Trump White House. And they were out there to, to, to indicate, and, and really what Rudy was doing was basically just throwing stuff out there as a, 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 to, to let certain people know that the Trump White House knew what was going on. And you realize with this informant situation, you know this was also suggested by Rudy Giuliani yeah. a week and a half ago. So they, they knew this was going yeah. on. So they have Rudy out there talking all this stuff, but, and it's just kind of like a, a telegraph to the deep state and everybody else that we know, we know what's happening here. It's a warning. It's, it's basically just yeah, sure. saying, hey, uh, we know what you're up to. We're going to come and get you. And... That's the bottom line here. So I'm, I was glad to see Rudy Giuliani out there. There were uncomfortable moments, yeah, but they were pers- purposeful uncomfortable okay, moments. Okay, I'm glad you addressed it because I know it's been in a lot of people's heads. Yeah, well, they just don't know. I, I don't know what the issue was. Well, you know, that one moment he felt unprepared. You know, there was a, an interview where he looked wholly unprepared for the interview and was kind of stumbling over things, and they, you know... Uh, they hit him hard Folks, on it. Here's the deal: stop reading Allah Pundit at Hot Air, and, and you'll be fine. Okay, <laughs> stop reading the Never Trumpers over at Hot Air, yeah. or or stop reading Red State, and 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 you'll be okay. I mean, it, it, it's it's gonna be okay. You're just you're just reading the wrong people. You're hearing this from people who don't like Trump to begin with, and and some right. people who are already. Uh, wishy-washy on the issue. And I'm just asking you, please, don't... don't. And, and, you know, by the way, and even though Glenn Beck is out there, don't listen to him either. Here's why I'm predicting a 2020 win. When I saw yesterday the, how the press was all reporting the same damn story that Donald Trump was calling MS-13 gang members, they left that out of the story, animals... And they were spinning it as if he was saying that about all immigrants. I'd had enough. I'd have enough. 
at this point, you're thinking, oh, Glenn Beck's onto something. This is really cool. Glenn Beck is finally going to turn to the camp of President Trump. But media, if you can get me, Glenn Beck, to do this, and in case you're only listening to us on radio, I just donned a red Make America Great Again hat. If you can drive me to the point to where I say, uh, you know what? I've had enough. I'll vote for him in 2020. Gladly I'll vote for him in 2020. And not really even on his record, which we'll talk about here in a second, is pretty damn amazing. But if you can drive me to the point to where I'll wear one of these stupid red hats, I'm telling you, you're making a gigantic mistake and I welcome it. Yeah. Well, I mean, what other option really did Glenn Beck have? He was, he lost, we've talked about this, so much viewership when Trump was running because America was for Trump. And then there's Glenn Beck, and we've named a few others, you've named a few others out there, the never Trumpers. What other option does he have when he sees America? Well, he, he, but but the problem is though he wears the hat and calls it a stupid red I, hat. Of course he and does, that, and that's typical of the Never Trumper. Yeah. So so he's not giving us no. anything there. He he's basically saying he's gonna he's gonna vote for President Trump in 2020. Of course, he would gladly have had Hillary in office. It yep. would have certainly helped his brand and sold more books because again, as I pointed out, people like Glenn Beck and some of the others who write books about how the sky is falling need the sky to fall in order to sell books. And, it's true. And, you, yeah, and you have to, he depended on Hillary because, you know, he was writing a book at the time, as was, for instance, uh, What's-Her-Face over at Fox News, who I can't even remember her name anymore. Hmm. What's her name? Kelly? Kelly. Uh, the woman who, who, who was on Fox News and Megan Kelly. Megan Kelly. Oh, Megan Kelly. Okay. Thanks a lot. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Megan Kelly, and I know I mean, we're both like Tweedledum and Tweedledumber here. Uh, Megan Kelly, who uh, was writing a book at the time yeah. too, and needed Hillary to win because otherwise she really couldn't sell her book to any right. degree. And again, these guys were all like Ben Sass was the same way, and Jeff Flake, and all these guys. They needed Hillary to win to keep up this idea somehow that they were still relevant people. And and that's yeah. unfortunate because to me, even when we made the, I made the decisions, hey, listen, let's you know, yeah. let's support President Trump because I I do support him on a number of different levels. That I really was in a situation where I really wanted this for the country, whether or not that was actually going to be a situation where, because a lot of people in conservative talk radio, without a foil, they can't thrive. So, oh, so, and, 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 and like, for instance, Obama was maybe the best thing that ever happened to people in talk radio. Yes. So they actually thought, well, maybe if Hillary's in there, we could have four years of talking about Hillary and Bill it's true. and this kind of thing. And the reality is that wasn't my motivation at all. I mean, there was a calculation that, wow, if Trump wins and Republicans are in power, then who needs to listen to the Almond show? Well, because we all care about things and because really we're going to be in, instead of being on the losing end, we're on the winning end and winning and is fun. And, Absolutely. And, and fighting for the country and talking about positive things is good. And you know what? Trump won 
and listenership grew. Well, for people like me. Correct. For people like Glenn and others who, who invested in only themselves and not the country, in only their books and not people who truly could help the country, they lost. And they'll, yeah. they'll never regain it. He had no choice but to play that. What you saw was that balance. If he just came out and he didn't do the whole hat thing, if he would have just come out, he would have looked like an absolute hypocrite. So he has to play this weird balance of like, I really don't like him. And I'm, yeah. this is a stupid hat. But. Yeah, right. Because what other the stupid op- red hat. You know. Yeah, I know. All right, let's bring in Peter Pfeiffer who has come in. We t- Peter was kind enough to be at the happy hour with us on Thursday. Yes. And that must have been the time that we arranged for Peter Pfeiffer to come on in to the studio, unbeknownst to us here on Monday. And so I think we're, we kind of like we're caught off guard, unfortunately, because I forgot. <laughs> but you knew his name. Oh, absolutely. I knew his name. You bring in your thing? Look put, at this. put it up there, Peter Pfeiffer. <laughs> here. There you go, buddy. Good work. Hey, thanks for coming in, man. I mean, we're gonna get you. Look, you had a cigar in your. Is that for me, or are you just gonna? It is. Look at this. Nice. Oh, what's a Camacho? We're gonna get your microphone up here in a second here and get you going here as soon as we can. There you go. You're looking good, buddy. Well, good morning. You've got your uh, three-piece suit up. We're getting your um, uh, microphone here. Are we at a break? What's that? Just yeah. do a test, test. One, two, one, two. Yeah, you're not on a mic. Good morning, everybody. Good morning this morning. Yeah, here, just use that one just for a second. Well, I'm sorry, Ryan. No. You just take your mic there for a second. Take my mic. Can take you hear my me mic, now? please. Yeah, I can hear you now. Testing one, two, testing one, two. No, I guess that doesn't work still. We're going to have to fix that because Henry Davis is coming in, too, uh, and, and he's going to be in at 7.30. So, Peter, how you doing, man? I'm doing really well. Good morning. Running for the... Running a couple for... gifts down. Wanted to make sure you didn't forget my name. Brought no. the side down as well. You know what's interesting? Um, talk right into this here. Talk right into that. Uh, it's interesting that, that uh, I, I, you think that I actually forgot your name, but the reality is I always thought you were Ben Pfeiffer. <laughs> I mean, that, that was the, that's the problem. Is for some reason, you know, even in the hallway before we went, we went in, I think I called you Ben Pfeiffer. I don't know. You know, Jamie, I, I don't know. I was, I was just really impressed, though, that, I, again, before the, uh, before the forum the other night, I had to go and see my mother, get some, some mama <laughs> love. And, you know, she had a great story about meeting Jamie's mother. I think it was outside of yeah. Duff's outside of, uh, in the West End there. My mom turning 90 in November, so. My mom's just 83, so yeah. they're, they're uh, very similar, I think, and uh, I think they enjoyed meeting one another. There we go. I can hear it. Yeah. Huh? Excellent. Sorry about that. Is it, does it work now? Uh, the mic I'm working on still, but his headphones, at least he can hear Oh, good. You. Okay, perfect. So give me just a bit. I'll okay. All right. We'll be sure to test that before we go on the air next time. It's important. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that was, that's a good story. Those two want to get together again. I think they should. Yeah. So now you were, by the way, you were, you were a Brentwood city councilman, right? Correct. They refer to it as alderman. Oh, Okay. Oh, in Brentwood, yeah. Right, it's kind of like Kentucky Colonel, but uh, right. if you refer to me as Alderman, that'd be appropriate. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so now, uh, Peter, I thought you did a great job at the forum, by the way. There were people who were impressed with you, who kind of, I, I thought that the forum, Ryan, was great because we were able to see, and I, I will tell you, five distinctive personalities 
I, we're gonna have Christy Nichols on with us eventually too uh, this week. But we had because we've had all the other guys on Austin and Tony and Cortland have all been with us. But five real distinctive personalities with I think with many of you sharing the same views on things, but with a different approach personally to things. Did you find that too, Peter? How did, how would you like if you had to separate yourself from the other four? I'm sorry, I, I forgot Josh Hawley. <laughs> So did he. he I forgot he the nominee. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, he's not the nominee. I know, he's, but you know, I'm being facetious. It. I mean, that's, that's, what, that, that's what's so crazy about this whole thing, which makes us so mad and why I'm so glad America First continued on with the debate, even though Hawley wasn't going to show up, because I think it was important for people to see the other people who were busting their rear ends and doing the things that we would expect them to do, which is run on your merits not because you're appointed by some news media outlet or whatever and run on your own merits. So, again, how would you separate yourself from the other five there, Peter Pfeiffer? Well, first of all, nobody called me and said, hey, buddy, you want to run for Senate? I think some of the, uh, the party elders uh, had done that to Josh Hawley, and I don't think that is the way that most Missourians operate. Most Missourians did not get a phone call from Jack Danforth and said, hey, do you want to run for Senate? That didn't happen. And um, that's why I got involved. I looked at the ballot, and I didn't see anybody that could represent most Missourians. I was waiting and waiting and waiting. Who's going to get us excited? Who's going to make you know, things happen for Missouri? Who's going to be able to represent most Missourians? And I was waiting, and nobody from St. Louis, which would have been really exciting, is on the ballot. So I, I was compelled to put my name on the ballot. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it's great. And, and when it comes to how you guys differ stylistically, I think there was some talk maybe about – uh, differing opinions about asset forfeiture and that kind of thing. But generally, for instance, on immigration, uh, if you're a U.S. senator, how do you approach the, 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 the talk about how we need to get a handle on our borders and about illegal aliens, that kind of thing? Well, sure, you know, it's a huge problem. And any illegal immigration flies in the faces and is an insult to my grandfather's weeks on Ellis Island. If you don't come to the country the way you're supposed to come to the country legally and follow it to the T and want to be a part of our society, well, you're not welcome. Right. Build is, the wall. Is Pfeiffer German? It is. So German immigrants, huh? That's correct. Good. Uh, to Missouri? To Missouri, yeah. I guess um, grandfather came over. There's a, there a large uh, German population in Illinois. Yeah. Um, what's the city that moved up on the bluff? Oh, um, you mean right right here in, in the area right. here? It, uh, Elsa? It's not Elsa. Elsa was always on the bluff. Okay, yeah. But the city that got flooded out in 93. Grafton? They moved, they moved the whole town. I think it starts with... Oh, no. I know what you're talking about. I do know what you're talking about. I just don't can't remember. West Alton? We're getting closer. Okay. I mean, I was up there. The flood of 93, I was up there. There's Grafton, West Alton. There's... Uh, but, uh, there was Elsa's know, Landing. Let me go back know. to trying to answer the question. The, the first one that we kind of glossed over, separating myself from the other candidates that are on the ticket as a whole you know all the republicans were there and it sounded real good sounded real nice and and we know there were uh people that were there that weren't probably did not vote for trump and are now running as a republican right. somebody that was on another ballot um you know our frustrations and you can see that because the the establishment pick has not generated any excitement i've been to many different events 
and the establishment pick is not present at any of these events. I know you've heard that a couple times from the other folks. That well, he doesn't. Need, I don't think. I don't think Hawley has even really gone to Lincoln Days. I mean, no. I mean, I, I mean that, that's that's to me an indication that he either a really doesn't want it, or b does really doesn't think he needs to be there because it's already been predetermined that he's going to be the nominee. Well, I don't want to pick on individual Republicans. I yeah, don't, I don't want to do that. You know, I, I would. You know, I'm a little frustrated myself occasionally with the process, but I don't think we should allow our frustrations to, to become a distraction. That's a really bad thing. And, you know, the Republican Party is not a punching bag. We need to learn how to hit back, and we need to learn how to capitalize on what we have going. Like you said, there was five distinct personalities on the stage the other night, and I think it went really well, and there is a lot of, there is some separation. I'm the only candidate that has any legislative history that has been elected to office, that has served the entire term I was elected to serve. No other candidate can say that. Josh Hawley can't say that. And I served the term I was elected to serve, and then I walked away. Then I was done. I left Brentwood, uh, moved to Parkway West to raise my children there, and that was that. And I, I, that, I went about the business of, of being a family man. And, yeah. you know, and now, at this point, being dragged back in, being compelled to be on the ballot for U.S. Senate, you know, it's the right time for me to be doing it. Yeah, well, Hawley was elected attorney general, though. Well, I voted for him to be my yeah. attorney general. Yeah. Because he said that's what he wanted to do. That right. was the job he wanted, and he wasn't going to run for anything else. Right. Now, let me ask you this, because uh, you mentioned about uh, the only one having been elected. Do you think that, cause, because between Austin and Tony and Cortland and Christie, uh, they they say that they bring a, a level of experience, like worldly experience, like Tony Minetti in the military and Austin Peterson as a candidate before, but also as kind of a libertarian activist, that kind of thing. So sometimes just being elected isn't an achievement, but still you're saying that you've gone out there, you've gathered the votes, you're the kind of guy who actually, based on the fact that you actually have held elected office, even if it is as a Brentwood alderman, you actually have proven yourself to be able to get out there and get people to come in and push the ballot for you. Absolutely. I, I ran on communication in Brentwood. There was a, a property rights issue there. The home I bought there was under the threat of eminent domain from the, from the jump. Folks on the street weren't um, happy about it. Nobody was talking to the folks on the street. Uh, the city wasn't talking to the folks on the street. Developer wasn't talking to the folks on, folks on the street. So I took it upon myself in conjunction with the folks in the neighborhood to put my name on the ballot. And um, I ran on communication because that was the, what I saw was the biggest issue. Yeah. Uh, but eminent domain and property rights are very important to, to all Americans and, and a lot of Missourians as well. I love the fact that you're standing up for that because that's kind of a rare thing, especially in local politics where you have so many city council people and aldermen who are more than happy just to simply run roughshod over property rights for the sake of a mall or a strip mall or whatever. Well, and how those municipalities do that is they, they go and vote, they legislate. Um, what's called a 353 corporation, and basically they give their uh, eminent domain rights to a developer. So a lot of times the process is developer-led, and, you know, all the municipal legislatures, city councils, uh, just say, oh, sure, what's staff's opinion on that? And and they don't really have an opinion themselves because they're trying to grow the tax base. That's the wrong way to grow a tax base is through eminent domain for private development. Yeah, well, and also the, well, although this isn't a national issue, but this abuse of TIFs and stuff like that, I mean, I just think that, Ultimately, it becomes such a, a big deal. I remember my mom, uh, speaking of our moms, my mom was, there was a, uh, they were going to bulldoze something there in, uh, what are you doing? Break away. 
You, you can grab Brian's water, are you? You know, that's expensive water. Come here. Let me wait. Before you drink that, I, I had one of these not too long ago. And, and, and I, I bought it because Ryan drinks it. I said, I'm going to try that. And you know what? Here it is. This is like crazy. First of all, it's a, the, the bottle is made of like hard-ass glass, okay? Like this is real live glass here, okay? It's, it's not – yeah, I mean there's, there's no – I don't know what this is made of, but apparently this water that you're about to take from Ryan – is uh, well, it's it from... obvious his mother was raised him right and well, and anything he has is mine. <laughs> right, right. Don't mean to take advantage yeah. of you. It's uh, it's from two miles deep. It's a yeah. single source well. So just so you know, this 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 water is eleven thousand years old. It's Starkey water. It's so bad. so if you could imagine all the organisms that had sex in this water before it was actually uh, uh, taken through the filtering process, I mean, imagine there there were probably. Uh, amoebas and balibas oh. and stalactites and everything else in there. Yeah. There, there are fossils now <laughs> that had sex in this water. I think he knows I'm thirsty. <laughs> he wants this water. <laughs> and yet it's been cleaned. It's, uh, you know, 11,000 years old, Peter Pfeiffer. I'm even, I'm even more thirsty now. <laughs> I know. Oh, you're gonna, Here, oh, I really here want have some water. <laughs> it's a workout to drink it. Right, exactly. Exactly. I mean, let's, let's put it this way. You could go, like, for instance, to Johnson shut-ins and just simply suck the water out of a puddle. And essentially, that's what you're drinking here, except this has been thoroughly cleaned. I'm sure there's some reverse osmosis or something. Right something there. like yeah. that. Yeah. Just uh, yeah. How's that taste? Yeah. That is some stale water. <laughs> that is very it old is. water. It's 11,000 years old. I mean, you know, come on. It's got, it's got a pedigree there. Yeah. All right. But anyway, back to the local stuff. And I know that we're talking about the U.S. Senate race and, and, and that's important. But but it, since you're you've done, been through local politics, like my mom, for instance, who lives in Shrewsbury, Webster Groves, that whole line there. She lives in Webster Groves, but Shrewsbury's next door. And they were talking about building a Walmart there. and They're going to tear this stuff down. And they were having hearings. And my sweet mom's going, well, you know, they're having a hearing about the Walmart. I'm going to go there and and tell them, I don't want that Walmart there. I'd rather have, you know, the theater and everything else, but they're going to destroy it for the Walmart. So they're having a hearing. I said, Mom, I love you, but I wouldn't bother going to the hearing. That Walmart, I guarantee you, will be there, whether my mom goes to the hearing or not. And while that might be a cynical conclusion to make, the reality is, when these guys have these hearings, they've already decided. I mean, Walmart, they, Walmart has said, hey, we're going to do this. And they're like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll tiff you here and tiff you there and give you tax breaks here. So there are so many times where communities will simply sell their soul just to have a business in their community. And tax and criminal financing really in the end is kind of a boondoggle. But that's, that's the shame of it. Well, and also in, in St. Louis – you know, it's the pie's not really growing here. So we have all these 90 different municipalities fighting over the same pieces of pie. So they're, you know, St. John's is, is looking for a tiff to go against Overland. You know, they're all looking to steal the same dollars. And through that process, it, it really isn't good, sound economic development. We should be focused on jobs. That water bottle, that water, what is it, two sixty nine a pop there? Or is it $1.69? Jeez, I got to tell you, is it five bucks? There, <laughs> I mean, even though that green room is luxury, I got to tell you, you know, I was having a foot massage before I came on and a, and a manicure. It was fabulous so in there. The best here, 
you know what? But you know, for the for that eleven eleven thousand year old water, uh-huh. I will. I'll be glad to give you five bucks. You enjoy that. <laughs> you can buy two now, right? That's awesome, buddy. You're making money. making money. Yeah, right. Exactly. All right. So, Peter, thanks. Thanks by the way for coming by the happy hour. Well, I I, I appreciate that, and, and you know, it's really nice to be around. I'm looking forward to the next one. It's really nice to be around a, a room full of like minded folks. Yeah. And, and meeting people that are involved in the community or want to be involved. You know, we're also very busy. It's tough to be involved. Oh yeah. And that's one of the things that I want to talk about is is that. You know, we shouldn't have to pay such close attention to our government. We should be able to trust our government. We should be able to, you know, not even think about it. It's terrible that we have to wake up and face east every morning and look to Washington, D.C. and find out what's going on with our lives that day. I think it's a terrible thing to do, and I want to instill trust back in our government. When it comes to, for instance, uh, foreign interventions, how do you feel about that? Well, if we have a strategic uh, purpose for being there or for defending allies. Absolutely. I'm not a neocon. We're not out there exporting freedom. We're not out there nation building. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, when we have children in our own community, in our own country that have needs, um, I've been involved for many years in an uh, uh, organization that supports, helps uh, developmentally dis- disabled children and adults. These, you know, those that need the most typically receive the less, the least. And that's really what we should be focused on as a country is taking care of our own first before we're exporting anything uh, as far as blood, sweat, and treasure. I think that's a, what a lot of people liked about President Trump. And, of course, I have a son who proudly served in Iraq. I supported the Iraq war because I believed the intelligence and everything else. And so I, I can honestly say I supported the Iraq war based on what evidence we got about the transgressions of the Saddam Hussein regime and the yellow cake and how they were and Saddam Hussein was directly threatening us. And so to me, there was a compelling reason to be able to go in there, even though it turned out that really in the end, we really didn't have the evidence that was substantial enough to do this kind of uh, war action. So I can honestly say I'm very proud of my son for having served in Iraq. Uh, I, uh, I, I would have supported the Iraq war, and I defended it uh, all throughout. But at the same time, I realize, and when President Trump was talking about this, we have to always pause. And I think, I think sometimes you have to learn the hard way that you have to pause. We learned, for instance, when Obama... And his team went into Libya. And I was so against this removal of Gaddafi because Gaddafi was, yeah, he's a dictator, but he was our dictator. He was a guy who once we rung his bell during the Reagan administration, we shut him up. And he he was not a friend to terrorism or anything else. In fact, ISIS and all those guys and al-Qaeda despised the guy. He was manageable. Exactly. So once we removed him, look what's going on in Libya right now. So that's a great example of how uh, this was a, a major mistake for us to go in there and overthrow a government. And that kind of intervention, I think, in the end, hurt us and hurt the world. Well, I think the tourist industry in Tripoli is booming right now. Yeah, right. No, it's not. No, no. I mean, it's. it's it, I think. I think the 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 hotels there are now occupied by they're 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 the headquarters for the Mooge over there. But so I think that's a great idea. And then and then you had McCain and these guys who I believe they they represent the neocon movement in the Republican Party who wanted were trying to egg us on to get involved in Syria and send troops over there. And I, I know we do have troops over there now to a certain level, uh, but so far so good. And President Trump said, you know what? Listen. Buy your own 
missiles. We're, we're tired of paying for all of your defense. You need to start supporting your own defense structure. And that freaked a lot of the Europeans out, but nonetheless, they wound up sucking it up and doing it. Well, absolutely, and they should have. I mean, NATO being called, um, you know, arcane or um, ineffective, or what's the exact quote he said? He said, NATO is, you know, NATO is... I don't not, know what he said. Donald Trump said that NATO was uh, not archaic. I'm going to find the word. Useless. Come to me. Whatever. Was, I mean, useless was... and old and, and needed to be replaced or, you know, really wasn't that important. And, you know, after he said that, the other countries in, in the uh, alliance coughed up the dollars they were supposed to be coughing up. And, and that's what it takes. We have been taken advantage of for a very long time, and we should not be taken advantage of as long as we have been. And it's about time somebody stood up to the world community and says, hey, you guys have to participate. I absolutely support that. Were you happy with the tax reform package? Absolutely. You know, more money in my pocket, more money in your pocket. That makes the economy go around, and the government needs to be leaner. There's no doubt about that. I'm a small government guy, a very conservative constitutional. There, there's no reason why the government is as big as it is. The bureaucrats dominate government, even on the state level. I mean, we, we've got bureaucrats that aren't term limited, while we have legislatures that are term limited, and these bureaucrats know they're not going anywhere. They're, they're in there for 20, 30 years. When it came to the omnibus bill, I think you all agreed on stage that that's the one thing you disagree with President Trump on, and that was his signing it. Do you? Is that your view? Yeah, the omnibusted bill is a dereliction of our congressional delegation. All of them are are guilty of not following the appropriations process the way it's established. That's it's established for a reason. It's been working for two hundred and forty years. You know. Plus, and it needs to be followed. That's the way that our government was set up. That's the way the money is supposed to be uh, uh, spread out over over those processes. And it wasn't in the omnibusted bill. <laughs> and I, I don't I don't think that um, um, I would be a would have been a party to it. You know, the Republicans have a, a, a problem in in, the, in messaging. I think typically and sitting together in a room and coming together with a, a huge. Huge omnibusted bill like they did, I believe, is, de- is a dereliction of uh, congressional responsibility. When you travel around the state, how do you get around? Do you have like an airplane or a bus or something? No, I have a 2006 Cadillac DTS. It's the big boat. They don't mm, make them anymore. Wow, really? Oh, it's, it's, it is a <laughs> land shark. <laughs> I love that. It's a beautiful beast. It really is. I love it. 2006. Oh, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I love it, man. So that's what you do. You just drive around the state. I'm a V8 kind of Republican. Yeah, you don't have people either, which is kind of cool. I am. None of I the, am nobody, the people. I don't. I mean, really, no. But none of these guys that I know of, like Manetti. I remember when he came into this to the TV studio, didn't have anybody. Well, like, like, how'd you get here? Did you did you fly the? The stealth here, or would, how'd you do? You know, no, we just drove around. I mean, I think I think Austin Peterson has a bus, but yeah, it looked like he tried to get it through a drive-through the other day. If I noticed the bus, it had a huge <laughs> chunk taken out of the out of the back of it. And it looks like it, it looked like the drive-through was a little too tight for the Peterson bus. So now, when it comes to being out state, so to speak, what uh, what was your favorite town you've been in? Well, just uh, Saturday night, I was in Bowling Green. Beautiful people up in Bowling Green. Yeah. Very proud Republicans up in Bowling Green. Pike County Republican Central Committee. Um, Hallsville, Marshfield, all over the place. You know, the, 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 the resounding thing is the establishment pick is generating no excitement. Right. No, nobody's excited about it. And uh, I, I just think, you know, it's, it's feeding in for Claire McCaskill to win again 
in that there is no excitement in the Republican Party. We need to coalesce behind somebody that can get folks excited about Republicanism. It's hard to say, but it's fun to do. Yeah, and you know what's going to happen, though, I- I'm afraid. It depends. And, and, and this is no reason for other people in the race to get out. But Ryan and I were talking about this last week, but the reality is, okay, so Hawley is the one person that some people know his name, right? They go, oh, Josh Hawley, I get it. I'll just do that. Name and recognition? Then, well, I don't want you guys to all eat each other up, and then Hawley runs away with a squeaky little through victory. Now, again, I, I don't I don't have anything against Josh Hawley and his candidacy or whatever, I mean, or personally whatever, but I do want the the election to be organic. And I think a lot of people out there are really frustrated with this idea that it's not organic, that when, when you know, when the Post-Dispatch is promoting a certain Republican. Yeah. It's inorganic or, is what it is. Yeah. Because it, it's not something that he, I don't think he desired to do. I, you know, if we asked Josh Hawley, if he wasn't on the ballot, did, did, you know, if this was over, did you really want to run yourself? Were you, what was energizing you? And I, I bet he would say the phone call he got. They said, hey, you're a shoe-in. You're the guy. Right. We'll support you. We've got all this money. Well, yeah. my answer to that is, how much do votes cost? Yeah. Vot- votes are free. Right. Right on. It's the messaging that's expensive, and I get that. And, you know, PeterPfeiffer.com is always a good place to go to spend a little bit, a little bit of money to help me get the message out there about my candidacy. But, um, you know, yeah. separating myself from the rest of the pack, I'm the only one that's been in the private sector for 30 years. I've been working since I was 18 years old. Worked myself through school. What was your first job? Well, my first job was probably putting doilies on cake rounds at the bakery. Really? Oh, sure. Pfeiffer's Party Pastries. My dollar was my my father was paying oh. me a penny per doily. I, mean, I love it. Oh, it was I terrible, hard, and long work. But, yeah, <laughs> when I was eight years old. That was uh, a penny a doily was pretty good stuff. No, well, absolutely. Well, Hubba Bubba was only you know a nickel then. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, that's pretty cool. And and I guess it, when it comes to uh, the future here, one of the things I have to admit, I'm embarrassed to admit though, is that you know we we're like we live and breathe politics, right? Or at least we think we know a lot about what's going on. And Peter Pfeiffer kind of came to us through suddenly we're like. We're being Facebook friended by this guy, and I'm like, who is Peter? Do you guys know who Peter Pfeiffer is? And and, and that's and, and it's not Peter Pfeiffer's fault, and it's not our fault. What I'm saying is, this goes to show you how little attention people get. Like 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 when I interviewed Minetti, I asked him I, uh, on TV. I said, how many people have, have interviewed you? He goes, nobody. I mean, I'm in. I mean, he's in St. Louis. Like if Hawley came in, they'd be all over the guy. And to me, all that does is make people more frustrated, not less. And that's why I really have to tell you, I was so appreciated when they did this forum that that no one in the media attended, by the way. In fact, I think there was somebody from Politico there, but they were only there because they were trying to color out a piece on Hawley, for crying out, who wasn't even there. <laughs> and the, But the rest of the media completely ignored these folks. And I just find that so frustrating, which is why I think people like Hawley and others better watch out because, as I, as I recall, when Trump was running, everybody said he couldn't win, he wouldn't win, the numbers weren't there, he just is not serious, he can't do it, blah, blah, blah. And people, Trump voters, bubbled up out of nowhere and pushed him through. Well, you know, I may not be a stealth pilot, but I am a stealthy candidate. And I think right now it's a good time. There's less than 80 days before the primary, which is August 7th. 
I think I will have reached the age of reason on <laughs> August 6th. I'll be 50 years old. So, right. of course, I'm asking for everybody's vote as their birthday gift to me on August 7th. Yeah, the daylight's right. fine. Yeah. But um, you're absolutely right. And, again, I, I'll go back to what I said earlier, that we can't allow our frustrations to become a distraction. I'm, I'm frustrated as a candidate. I'm not getting you know, as much traction as I would like, but that, that's, that's on me. I need to get out there, and I need to do my job as the candidate and be heard and knock on the right doors and knock on all the doors. That's, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm focused on. Um, and it's tough to do that and, and still try to do commercial real estate, which I've done for the past 20 years here in St. Louis. I'm a 20-year professional negotiator. None of the other candidates can say that. As far as a differentiator, you know, I'm capable of solving problems. None of those other guys or gals on the ballot can, can point to the problems they have solved. I've dealt with entrepreneurs. I've worked, like you, for the Archdiocese of St. Louis. I've sold churches for them. I've sold schools for SLPS. I've been involved in a lot of things in St. Louis, and I was very disappointed. Again, not having a St. Louisan on the ballot. Last time we had a St. Louis on the ballot was Jim Talent. Yeah, yeah right, exactly. So were you involved in the whole uh, parish closings and all that kind of stuff then during that time? Because I was there when that was going on. Right. I was not involved in the closing, but the after uh, uh, after they decided to close a parish, they right. had to sell the buildings. Right. And I was one of the three guys at my firm that sold the buildings. Right. And right. It, was, it, was a great, uh, it was a great honor to do that, growing up Catholic, going to Immaculata. Yeah. Yeah. And um, to work, you know, for the archdiocese was, was, an, was an honor. You know, it was a difficult thing for them to do. Obviously, the demographics in the city have changed. A lot of people moved out west. They weren't going to these churches. Nobody can mothball a building. Well, buildings aren't meant to be mothballed. They're, they're meant to be lived in, and the air has to circulate, all that stuff. But, yeah, I was involved with those things. Yeah. Well, that, that, I've, got some, I've got some insight on that parish closings thing. You and I can talk about that sometime because that was a debacle right there. Because that, that, was, that was so juiced up and so corrupt, that whole process. But anyway. Well, I, not, the real estate, not the real yeah. estate side of it. We did our job above Oh, the yeah. No I, would, I would, no, I wasn't saying that. <laughs> I wasn't saying you were involved in that. All right. Well, so Henry Davis is outside. So we're going to grab Henry Davis. He's going to come in. And he's going to probably finish the rest of your 11,000-year-old water there, buddy. No, I paid $5 for <laughs> oh, yeah. that, so I'm going to drink yeah. all of it. Thank you. Now, I, I, I will have to say, because I heard you guys talking earlier about security in school. Yeah, yeah. The security here, forget about it. Nobody can get in here. No. I mean, well, and if they do, even if they did... We're They'd still have a hard time getting there's, a, out. There's, a, there's another layer of security, believe me. It's like me. the Roach Motel, right? <laughs> they check yeah. in, but they don't check out. Yeah, the Bates Motel. It's, that's probably more accurate. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time. All right, brother. And make sure to tell everybody. Well, I'll do it right now. PeterPfeiffer.com. Take, take a look at that. And I think I'm easily separated from the rest of the pack here. And I am the candidate for the Republican primary that can get Republicans excited about a candidacy. Yeah, well, love your passion, man, and, and uh, love your accessibility. And and thanks again for coming Thursday. It was great to see you and hang out with you. And, and thanks for the cigar, brother. Well, hey, RFA, it's a great thing. Keep it up. You guys are doing a great job. I love to see the the dynamics, the change in the industry. It, it's slow in St. Louis, but uh, you're on the forefront. Keep it up. Well, did you know? Just as a, just a, as a, you know, when people say, "Hey, I saw you were on Radio Free Allman," uh, is that real radio? Yeah, it's real radio, and we at this point right now are uh, getting more listeners, and indeed on Facebook, more viewers. We have more engagement than any radio station. In St. Louis, by far, we dwarf them. And also, by the way, our stream 
we're getting more listeners than some of the other folks well, out there. And I got to tell you, it's free. I was streaming in my car. I got the auxiliary cord plugged in the DTS, and I can hear <laughs> you. It sounds beautiful. And it's free. I mean, satellite radio, you know, that was a disturbance. Yeah, right, right. And, and uh, to see you guys live, I can e- even watch you when I'm at the stoplight. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> uh, you know what's funny is, too, that, that uh, and, and Ryan went ahead and put this out there on Facebook, I believe, but we talked about this. Uh, last week when I flagged this article about how the UK now is considering completely getting rid of FM altogether because digital radio listening has now exceeded the FM radio listening. Norway already got rid of the entirety of FM. It's now all digital in Norway. It's the internet of things, right? It is, buddy. It is. Well, Peter Pfeiffer, thanks a lot for coming in, man. Good to see you. Yeah. Jamie, thanks for having me. We can share a microphone, but we cannot share water. (laughs) And I tell you what I will do, Peter. I'm going to go ahead and donate to the Peter Pfeiffer campaign (laughs) right here. Uh, Oh, no, 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 no. This is the conservative way right here. Right on. (laughs) I have donated to the Peter Pfeiffer campaign. (laughs) Welcome welcome aboard. Welcome to the winning team. There we go. Thanks, Ryan. All right, man. You have a beautiful mother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I Peter told Pfeiffer. I told uh, I told Ryan's parents when I met him. I said uh, <laughs> I said thank you for having Ryan. <laughs> and you know what? To your parents, are they st- are your mom still alive? Your dad passed away. My father's dead, but mom's still around. Yeah, and she's she's one. She's the glue. I yeah, mean, right she's on. She's everything. I'm in. I'm I'm with you in the same situation, buddy. So uh, um, I, we got to get our moms together at some point. I think it would be a good thing. All right, Jamie. One okay, last brother. Peter Pfeiffer. What's that? Peter Pfeiffer. Peter Pfeiffer. Not right, not to be confused with Ben Pfeiffer. It yeah, is right Peter yeah. Pfeiffer. Yeah, right. Of course. See you, buddy. Watch out for Henry Davis. Watch out! Henry! <laughs> I will have to tell you, though, that I was... Um, I think it's probably the first time that... A U.S. Senate has ever been told to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you actually said to shut your traps. <laughs> you know what? Listen, you can't be talking outside the studio. <laughs> I, know. I love Peter because he really is a... He, he loves to play around. He's yeah, not, you know, no, he's fun. Doesn't take himself too seriously. No, he's great. We don't either, and so you gotta gotta enjoy that kind of personality. You got a cigar? I it comes it. with cigars. I lost a water. So yeah, I gained a cigar. You lost a water. <laughs> oh what? I'm surprised you're growing up in a bakery and everything else. You look spelt. You look like you run six miles a day, buddy. All right. Have fun in that caddy. Peter Pfeiffer brings donuts, too. I know, man. Sonia, loving that. All right. So Henry Davis is going to make his debut on Radio Free Almond in just a few minutes. And don't forget, at 8 o'clock, Gateway Pundit's going to be with us. And don't forget, I got to tell you, I already made I, I made Doug Giles' flight arrangements for him over the weekend. He'll be flying in on Friday for our book signing on the 8th of June. Then the Big Bad Barbecue, the Radio Free Almond Barbecue, on the 9th of June on a Saturday. So 
plenty of options for you all, okay? We'll be back in just a few.
Hello, hello, there you are. Uh, there we go, I'm not on either. Uh, hey, buddy, my microphone's not on, so I'm just trying to figure out what's going on here. Henry Davis. What's up, What's baby? going on, brother? What's up, baby? Hey, um, so something happened. Okay, there we go. Lord have mercy. Hey, Henry Davis, get those head... Oh, you got your... Can you get... get are they over Uh-oh. your head? There you go. Nice. You don't have to take your hat off. It won't, it won't work with the hat. What's up, Jay? Hey! What's up, Jay? Money? What's up, baby? Oh, I love this man. What's up, Jay? Money? Have you ever met Ryan? What's up? Oh my gosh! What's up, Jay? Money? What's going on, How you baby? Doing, baby? I'm doing good, You're baby. Looking good, man. How you doing? Have you ever met Ryan Jaycox before? No. What's up, Ryan what? Jaycox? Give him a big old hug, cause Ryan What's is like to be hugged. There we go. Give a big old hug. What's happening? I love the energy. You love the energy, I love the energy. You like everything about this whole studio in here? Yeah, yeah, but where's this camera? Where's the camera? Right there, man. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You just go right up to it. Don't touch the screen now. Don't be touching the screen. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. All right. Oh, man. It's so good to see you, brother. I was going to stream live on my camera, but I didn't know if y'all would let me. Do that. You could just. You know. I mean, well, you're gonna what? I was gonna turn my live on so I can be in two places. You can do at whatever you want to do, man. Or you can right just share here. this live. I do. I, I, it's already sharing. Oh, well, there you go. You know, well, but if I'm already sharing, then why would you do that? I don't. You know, I'm not I'm I mean, uh, savvy. I never, you know, I'm, I never question Henry I'm, Davis. You can. You can FB live. I trust Henry Davis implicitly. What's up, Jay? Money, talk I'm to me, great, baby. Buddy. Oh, how, how you see, doing? Here they come. Here, here come my people right here. <laughs> that my people go. That all my people right there. I'm hey, just going to stream. Up, you want to set it up against something here? Yeah, set it up against something. That go all my people right there. <laughs> that that my people is. See them coming on in? Now, when you say uh, your people, what does that mean? mean like Lisa Hampton oh, and okay. Margaret, Margaret Sharp and Kevin O'Donnell and Mary Canfield and Lisa Hampton. She said, turn on your live. See, they want to see me loud. Well, we, you are live. There you go. Here, just do that one. Yeah, that's, that's the one I want to do. Why does it say play on there? Because... You have to hit play. You got it. And see, you yours won't for some reason. I, oh, I don't it's know. streaming. It's trying. Just that internet. It's good. Hey, buddy, listen. Uh, Ryan, what's up? What's might up, remember man? Henry Davis first came on the scene a long, long time ago. Was it yeah. the day after the election? The day after. The, the day election. after the election. So there's Henry Davis in his. Was it in your truck? Yep, okay. in my truck. It was he was in his truck. Great memory, this guy. Here. And he and he was and this is this. And by the way, this went viral. Okay, and and we suddenly realized that wait a minute, this guy lives in St. Louis. Yeah, Northside. And so basically, Henry Davis was out there, and I, I did. I actually didn't think I didn't bring up the tape. I probably should have brought up the I'm tape. I'm like, you don't have my music. I don't have my my Donald Trump what? songs or nothing. Well, dude, you didn't send me any music. I don't have your music it's anywhere. It's all over the internet. But anyway, go back with your flashback. Go so back anyway, with your flashback. So Henry Davis decided he was going to do a whole tape uh, to all the people who doubted Trump supporters, and it was going to be him basically uh, saying, "I told you so," blah blah blah. 
and that the and the rest is history. Yeah, and, and you you really stuck your neck out there too, buddy. Because uh, especially being and you call it the hood. I I, I can't yeah, call the it the hood because I'm white, but you call it the hood. <laughs> and you y'all call it the ghetto. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Well, because we 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 learned that from Elvis Presley. You know? <laughs> yeah, y'all call Jolly it the Hart. ghetto. Yeah, right. They call it the ghetto over there. But no, uh, so so but you. Have had you put yourself out there at considerable risk, yeah, even today in terms of your support of President Trump? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Donald Trump is, is right now, uh, my man, you know, other than Jay Money. Uh, Jay Money, when I when I when he came down the escalator, oh. hey, hold on, people, let me look, let me, let me, while you're doing whatever you're doing on there, let me just play this for a second here. Give my uh, remarks to all of the Trump haters. All of the Hillary Clinton supporters, all of the people that said uh, that my Trump was going to lose. So I say to you this morning, the day after the election. So he's got his do rag on and everything okay. else. He's sitting in that's the truck. That's not a do rag. That's a bandana. It's a difference. Big difference. Big What's difference. A, what is the difference? Then, a do rag ties in the back, and oh, it's called. They call it a wave cap. That is a bandana. It's like okay. a scarf. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I figured it was. Big, somebody somebody, big called, somebody big else diff. called it a do rag. No, that's not a do rag. Somebody was on it's it. It's like a cowboy hat and a baseball hat. They're both hats, but. A <laughs> little bit different. <laughs> so what's going on, Jay Money man? Hey, man? I mean, I like to get up, man. I'm the first black man here, right? Uh no. Who? What y'all had another black man? Before Sorry, me? Pascal was in earlier. A one time, yeah. He's a little different than you are, but oh, see, man, now I thought I was gonna make black. history. I thought I was gonna be the first black conservative brother in the studio. Well, here's the deal, though. We we don't really look at things based on race. Amen. Everybody is black to us, Jamie. I'm black. Yes. And Not Ryan is black. So we're all black brothers when we get right down to it. Well, <laughs> walk down my street. Let's see. <laughs> see, 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 how they, see how they take that comment. But anyway. Said, no, but you know what? Listen, this has been one of those things where – here's the deal. Now, see, Henry Davis would be perfect for the Radio Free Almond Network. Oh, absolutely. I have the radio voice and everything. We're live at the Radio Free Almond, uh, South St. Louis, right off 4916 Shaw Avenue. Come on down. Let me see. Uh, let me, yeah, 4916 Grab right next to the Bevo Meow. There it is. <laughs> hey, will you, uh, the woman who does our intro? Yeah. Like, the, the, I think, let me here. see if Henry can do uh, Okay, the, here, listen. Come listen, on with Listen, here we go. Hold on. You didn't know it until now. You are the common sense nation. Now, and see, this is Radio Free Almond. Don't mean to interrupt her, but th- th- see, that was one initially when I heard that, I yeah. felt like she was, had a gun to her head and was being forced to do that. <laughs> uh, uh, but since then, we paid her and it's gone. <laughs> no more. But see, I think you could do the intro to the show. I mean, I, I think do whatever you want. You know what we should we should should do, Ryan? Okay, all right. That we we should start doing now. And I, I think it was an idea <laughs> is every time we have a guest in, they do that done, and then we play them next the next day. It's so smart. 
So, wait, wait, Henry, what's your name? Talk if to you me. didn't know it until now, if I didn't know it until now, if, if you, you didn't know it until me. now, no, her, if her, you didn't her. know it until now, you. if you didn't know it until oh. now, you are the common sense nation. If you didn't know it until uh-huh. now, you are the common sense nation. Pause, pause, pause. And this is Radio Free Almond. All right. All right. You want to do it right now? Oh, yeah, uh-huh. do it. Right now? Yeah. Okay. Give me a countdown from five. Three. 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 Two. If you didn't know it until now, you are the common sense audience. Welcome to Radio Free Almond in the morning. Why do you talk white, though, when you do that? Because <laughs> that's my radio voice. Oh, I see. So you, now you want me to do a hood style? Yeah, hood yeah. style. But if, like- you ain't, hey, if you ain't know you to now, y'all, you know, you the common sense audience and uh, listen to this Radio Free Almond, you dig? I, I like, like that. that you dig at the end. Y'all like the hood style? Okay. Yeah, man. Because it's, because it's, it's real. You, now, here's the deal, though. If you did a Radio Free Almond <laughs> show, right, on, on the Radio Free Almond network, you could do... Could you do an hour a day? Absolutely. Jamie, you got to understand, brother, you took me off of the streets of North St. Louis and made me a celebrity. Uh, I was known in the hood for, you know, uh, running from the police, and I was known in the hood for, you know, uh, collecting scrap metal and, you know, and, and feeding the homeless and things like that. But when you brought me on your show, you took me to a whole new level. People started noticing me all across the country. We were streaming, and they were, I would go places. I'm signing autographs. I'm selling T-shirts. So whatever you want me to do... <laughs> Well, no, you, 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 what you'd do is you'd monetize it. We'd be fine. I'd just take a cut of it and be fine. I don't care. You be know, good. I don't care about the money. The but, money no, no, coming. No, no. Yeah. The yeah. money coming. But, but here's the deal, though. When, a lot of people say, you know, like when you came on the TV show, like we had Henry Davis's Street Beat yeah. right. on Channel 30. Okay. And people loved it. And, and because it wasn't your traditional, obviously, right. where you report. And plus, it was your personality and yeah. your ability to kind of reach people, talk to people, and get right down to the nitty gritty. And you'd go into the hair place or you'd go into some other place and start talking to people. Yeah. And to tell you the truth, uh, when Henry started talking to these people, one thing I noticed is that you have uh, – people respect you and yeah. people trust you yeah. when you're out on the streets. Even if, even if you have had your windows broken, yep. you've been threatened. But that only yep. means that people are intimidated by your persuasive power and also mm. the fact that people do like you and yeah. get you. Yeah, well, there's, there's one person that don't like me too well, but we're going to deal with her this afternoon in court. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, she's listening. But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, Jamie, you, 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 you have to understand, brother, this is, I told you, I want to be like you when I grow up. I want to be just like you. I want I want I want to be Jay Money. I'm inspired by you. You know, I listen to all of your old colleagues on how they give you accolades and things like that. But I'm in it for the long haul, brother. The last time I talked to you, I said, "Jamie, I don't care what the hell they say about you. You my partner." Thank you, you know, buddy. you my partner, partner. We ain't just, oh, I'm just friends with Jamie. You know, he had me on his team. No, me and Jamie, we partners for real. We done cried together. We done prayed together and all that. This my, this my guy right here. So whatever you need. Now, we talking weekends or week, weekdays? Oh, I'm a, you're not a weekend guy. You're a weekday guy. I'm really a week, weekend guy. Oh, you are? When, it, when, it, when, when you're talking about, you know, the monetary. Oh, part. I see. Okay. All right. So, well, whatever you want. Listen, see, I, I what, what, you- what would be ideal? Is a is an hour show, two hour, whatever y'all want on Saturday. Oh, you like hmm, that? Okay. okay, all right. Cause see, Jamie won't be here. 
No. Right. And I can, you know, I drive trucks. You won't trucks. be here either. I drive trucks. <laughs> I drive trucks. But, uh, you know. No, uh, I mean, what I'm saying is we, we do it. I, where would we do it? We'd have to do it someplace else, wouldn't we? We got we it figured all. out. But anyway, no, but here's the deal. Okay, oh, and I, you're right. An hour, on, an hour on Saturday, I think it would be great for you, man. It would just be, you know, you know, I drive trucks. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm a regional driver, so right. I wouldn't be able to. Oh, because you're not, sometimes you're not even in town. Exactly. Like, after, after I leave here, I'm going to court this afternoon. Then after I go to court, then I'm heading on up the highway. No, oh, okay. you're not. Right. You're not going like you're not going to jail kind of court, right? No, <laughs> no. Okay. I'm suing someone. Okay, I'm glad you. Right. That's a nice segue. I'm, just, you I'm, know. I'm glad you 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 said that. You, remember, you said that because he's black. No, the, no, 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 no. Just what he tried to do to me no, there. No, 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 no. That's a good one, though. That's a, that's a good one. I'm glad you clarified that, Jay. Money. See, only the time black people go to court is when they're in trouble. <laughs> you remember the troll, troll? The big troll that contacted you and told you to stay away from me, that yeah. I'm a big... Well, it, today is Reckoning Day. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah, today is Reckoning Day. It's all public record. Okay. You know, it's, it's all... You see that binder over there? Uh-huh. That binder is all of my evidence. Oh, I see. That's a big binder. Yes, You're in there. Whenever I see a binder, I think it's. <laughs> Whenever trouble. I see a binder, I think of Mitt Romney's binder, binder full of women. <laughs> so, so that's what's going on today uh, in my life. I'm going to go, we're going to take care of that with all of the cyber bullying, with all of the social media bullying, and the defaming of character. You know, you 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 you're experiencing this, and uh, so I just decided to go ahead and and fight back and do it the legal way. Okay. Yeah. You well, know. did you did you by the way speaking of. Um, of women and binders and uh, you know servers in bathrooms. Did you see Hillary doing her Yale uh, commencement speech? By the way, Henry. No, I didn't. This do time it. she wore she wore a. Um, this class has invited me to be your speaker. Now I see, looking out at you, wow, that you are following the tradition of over the top hats. Uh oh. So I brought a hat too. A Russian hat. <laughs> and, and to imagine that school. And that's Yale? Yeah, that's Yale. That's your, that's your future right there, buddy. Not mine. Clapping for a woman who actually, if she is going to wear any hat at all, it ought to be pointed as in a dunce cap as opposed to a Russian hat. But she was still on this whole Russia train during her Yale commencement speech, and these people were more than happy to all just... It's like watching The View, and you're, yeah. you're, you're less disturbed with what the people on The View say and more disturbed by the fact that there are so many people cheering them on. Wow. This was disturbing to me. I just can't imagine her being president now. I mean, I wouldn't be standing here talking to you if she was, but I just can't. When I look at her, I just feel at any minute she, she's just going to just fall and faint or something, or cough up some green slime, or you know, I, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I just don't like her. She just, she just represents everything against what we represent. You know, no doubt. Oh yeah, I mean, she's, it would have gone backwards. You know, and here's it's hard the deal. to even look at her. You at know? least, and, and I will go back to the whole discussion of the inner city, because you live in it, mm-hmm. uh, you live with it, daily yeah. violence in your community, and, and, and unfortunately what would happen is if Hillary Clinton were president now, I think there would be little hope that there would be any uh, 
any improvement in the situation in our inner cities that actually leads to some of the pathologies regarding gun violence. Exactly. And I'm getting to the point where earlier this morning, for instance, I played this uh, soundbite from George Stephanopoulos Mm -hmm. talking about the school shooting, the Santa Fe, Texas school shooting. And here's a figure that he put forth, and I'm going to talk about Chicago real quickly, but here's a figure he put forth here. Santa Fe, the ninth fatal school shooting this year, reflected in this stunning fact. There have now been more students or teachers killed by guns in U.S. schools than active duty military deaths in 2018. Of course, that's such a long way to go to try to make their point. And I was thinking, hmm, I wonder if anybody's ever made that comparison when it comes to, for instance, deaths in the city of Chicago. And I had to go all the way back to 2016 and, for that matter, to a BBC report, okay? Not one American journalistic entity ever decided they were going to take the number of people killed in Chicago on the streets of Chicago Uh and compare them to the deaths in Afghanistan and Iraq the way they've done with a school shooting situation, mostly happening in suburbia. And they came to the conclusion that the reality is homicides in Chicago... This was two years ago, by right. the way. It hasn't gotten any better. Mm-hmm. Homicides, and it's getting better because there's more economic stakeholders, but the Democrats in Chicago keep suffocating these communities. Okay. Homicides in Chicago eclipse U.S. death toll in Afghanistan and Iraq. This was the one time, and it took the BBC to do it. And my point was, Henry, this. What's it that? seems to me, and I, I believe if you went out and did a street beat today on this sub- subject, yeah. it seems to me that in order to get any kind of attention – if you are a black person mm-hmm. in the inner city and you are gunned down, is you have to be in a group of people because if you're just gunned down all by your lonesome, nobody cares about you, even if your bodies stack up yes. into the thousands. Because but but ten white kids get shot yeah. in, in a school, it becomes yep. an atrocity. And so the only time these liberal left-wing people yeah. care about violence of any sort mm-hmm. is when it happens in the suburbs and White it happens suburbs, in a school. Yeah. Right. But you can have thousands stack up in Chicago yep. and there's not a peep about it unless it's the BBC. Yeah. Well, the, the, not only Chicago, let's just talk about St. Louis. Right. Right, right here in St. Louis. The kids are dying every day in St. Louis. They riding... I'm, I mean, I actually, night before last, went outside in my in my backyard and witness two teenagers just standing at a face-off, you know, with, with guns. It's like, you swing, no, you swing, you swing. And both of them, I'm standing there, like, waiting for somebody to shoot. So the, the point I'm making wow. is it's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not an issue when it comes to black children. And let, and let, me, let, me, let me just say this while, while I got it in my head. I made a video. Uh, I just did another, you know, I, I've had three virals since the last time he talked to me, over a million apiece. Uh, nice. But the last video I just did about the Chicago, I mean, about the school shootings is um, nobody is walking up in black schools shooting nobody. Right. And I heard you say this this morning when I woke mm-hmm. up. And the reason is, is because, I mean, it, it, there's, a, there's a silent uh, a code but black teachers got guns. I'm just, really? I'm, I'm just going, I know some teachers. I can't put them and this, on black. But the students know it, though, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. The students know Mr. Brown got a gun. <laughs> no, really? Oh, oh, oh the, stu- the students know Principal Jackson got a strap. We call him strap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. The lunch lady, she don't play no games. 
<laughs> she don't play ain't no more green beans. It ain't no more green beans. But you're beans. being serious. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not I'm not coming on here trying to make also metal laugh. detectors, though, um, correct? But the metal detectors ain't got nothing to do with it. You metal detectors don't stop the guns from getting in the school. They're gonna find a way to the way you get a gun in the schools, you go to your classroom, you tell your partner hand it through you to the window and you grab it like that. Uh, you ain't got to come through the front. Ain't nobody gonna come through the front door with a with a gun. I, I so see the your metal point. detector ain't got nothing to do with it. Then they got plastic guns, the metal detectors don't even pick up. The point I'm trying to make is, is that nobody walks into a black school shooting nobody because they know we got guns. If you got, if you, if these white students, and you know, I'm just keeping it real, if these white schools know that these teachers are armed, ain't nobody gonna walk up in there shooting nobody, mm. man. It, it's just that simple. My video I just did went viral again, and I and I said it, and I was cussing on it, ratting on it a little bit. But the point I kept making is, is that if these teachers, lunch ladies, principals, custodians, whomever. Have guns and the t- and the you know you don't know exactly who has it, but you know that our staff is armed. Yeah, you're not gonna walk up in the school shooting nobody. It's it's just that simple. You said a code before you jumped in there. You said there yeah. was a code. What does that mean? The code means that you don't you. We know Mr. Brown Mr. has the okay. gun, but we're not gonna tell. You know, okay. we're not gonna go and and rat him or her out. They ain't supposed to have it, but they keep it in their purse. So the code is like, you know, miss, you know, teachers, they know each other. They staff members. You know you got your gun sure. today. You know yep. you got your gun today. Yep. But you don't go out you no. know, ratting each other out. And, and, and until you ever seen New Mexico school, everybody in New Mexico, the principal, the custodian, the teachers, the, the everybody, all the staff members, in the, and they carry them on their hip. Really? Got guns. Oh. Mm-hmm. In New Mexico, I thought that was my Donald Trump support. Well, I was gonna, no, I was going to ask you because you you mentioned Mr. Jackson, but what about what about Miss Jackson? Did she? Miss Jackson, Miss Jackson has a gun too. Okay, everybody has a gun. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson, but check this out. I promise I won't shoot school up. Because they will be saying, "I'm sorry, Miss Jackson," if they mess with Miss Jackson, right? I am for real. Check this out. Uh, check this out. You know my song, uh, Donald Trump Jr. I want to. I want to talk about me for a little bit since okay. I ain't got that much time. Uh, you know Donald Trump Jr. Retweeted uh, my uh, my uh, Kanye rant. Oh yeah, you heard about that, right? I did. My Kanye rant. It should be. I don't know. Maybe. Probably a million something right now. Uh, you know, I went I went off on Ti about the whole Kanye thing, so that went viral. Well, which one was it? Was it the discussion about Donald Trump, right? His yeah. support of Donald Trump. Yeah. But, but did they, you ever did you ever talk about what he did when he talked about uh, the slavery and the choice thing and all that kind of thing? No, I because I, I, I know what he meant. I do too. I know what he meant, so I don't I don't waste my 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 time on right. stuff where I already where, where I know. What I got he you. Meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did that. And then I did, you know, my Donald Trump supporter song. That'd be glad. It'd be a good time to pull that up. Well, uh, I gotta uh, find it, dude. Uh, 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 Jim, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Is what's it on name? iTunes? No, because right. I can't get paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> what's his I'll name? I'll find it, man. Uh, 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 McCain. I'm not McCain. Uh, uh, Herman Cain. Yeah, right. Herman Cain tweeted my Donald Trump supporter rally song, uh, and then. Uh, Put it on his website, and oh, wow. I gained about—I okay. uh, don't know—maybe fifteen thousand followers as a result of that. But the big, big one is uh, what's her name? The black girl. Uh, uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm going brain dead here. 
uh, Candace, Candace Owens. Oh, okay. Tweeted my Kanye rant. Okay. And uh, it went viral. I got, I don't know, maybe 40,000 followers as a result of that. So I'm up to about 77,000. Nice. Wow. Because of Candace, because of Donald Trump Jr., and because of uh, Herman Cain. I have, a, I have a question for you. Jamie and I have been talking about uh, this a lot, which is the Trump administration. We've now almost had, I mean, what are we, a year? Yeah, well, over a year now of, of this. Two know, years. Two years. Goodness yeah, man. Gracious, what are yeah. we doing? Two years of this presidency now. Under Obama, we talked about jobs. They were terrible. Yeah. Economy was terrible. Yeah. In the area that you live, um, you know, you're, you're in what I would consider to be the heart of, uh, of where... Of where the economy is 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 really taking the biggest hit under the Obama administration. What does it look like? Are you seeing? Be honest. Are you see? Because we understand it takes a while for that to to finally catch up. Are you seeing differences? Hell yeah! Everybody working. Everybody's working. Everybody working now. I mean, compared to last year, jobs. Everybody I mean, working. It's almost underemployment. Everybody working. Everybody. Everybody is out trying. And what I'm the, the opportunities are there. Mm-hmm. People, you people that I know ain't had ain't had jobs in years. Where you going, man? I'm finna go to work. You finna go to work. You got a job? Really? When you get a job? I got a job two months ago. How are man. wages? I Good? mean, we're still okay. not. We're, you know. You know. But they well, got. We know. Jobs, we know. We know. The Department of Labor has said that they, the wages have increased, which is something what, Paul what, Ryan totally ignored. What happened was, yeah. is when Trump is started implementing this whole thing where he's cutting the free stuff. Yes, black people getting up off their butt. They're getting up off their butt and they're doing something. They're going to work. I'm serious. I know some people, man, that ain't never had a job and working. And they just as happy as can be. Yeah, they were selling drugs, making two, three hundred dollars a day. Sure, but they was running for their life. They were scared, yep. this, that, and the other. Blah, blah, blah. Now you see a brother going to work, making fifteen, thirteen dollars an hour, and 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 glad about it, partner. Interesting. I'm talking about I'm going th- to work. Let me ask you this though: Do they give President Trump credit? Yeah, they do. Absolutely. They, they they was mad at first. See, you know I'm out in the street. They yeah. were mad at him at I'm first. Man, about he he finna take my stamps, man. Yeah. I mean, so that's when I made the food stamp video uh-huh. that went viral. Because I made it exactly because of this issue. When somebody said, "Man, you know a lot of people gonna be mad Donald Trump taking these stamps," I said, "Well, how long you been getting stamps?" Right. It ain't something that you're supposed to live off for the rest of your life. I learned it the hard way. I was out of work for three months. Okay. And I couldn't get stamps. Okay. So now they are out. Black people, I'm telling you, man, everybody that wants to work is getting jobs. They working, man. You, 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 the bus stops is packed. People getting wow. calls. I'm like, how in the hell did they get the car? <laughs> that car, they got a That's nice. That's awesome. They, uh-huh. I'm telling you, they getting calls and people getting calls. People are happy. I'm talking about grown folk. The problem we have is with the young folk mm. nowadays. The young folk that don't have no direction, and no one is trying to, you know, take them in and, and show them any kind of home training. That's what we call it in the hood, home training. Okay. Uh, they the problem. The older folk, man, the older folk is out here trying to, grandparents, are, we the new parents now. You know, uh, the grandparents, you know, uh, we, we taking care of the kids. But when the younger people see the older people working, mm-hmm. then that gives them incentive, too. Because, like, for instance, that person who you say, wow, I didn't even, I, where'd they get that car? 
you hope that the 12 year old says, Hey, where did they get that car? Because yeah. then when they figure it out, where they got the car, they got the car from working. And I would maintain, and you probably know this already, that most people in, in the black community, and for that matter, in the rural white community, everything else, would much rather work than receive welfare. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, just humanely, there, there are some people, obviously, who There's don't want to work. There's but a there thin are some line. people who really do feel that that are more worthy when they actually have a paycheck. Yeah, there's a but there's a thin line. There's a there's a real thin line in, in the in the black community with that J money and I'm glad you mentioned that. that's a great point. But there's a thin line with people that uh, uh that want to work and people that don't want to work. And you know, I tell it like it is. The people that don't want to work just want to get high all day. Okay. They don't, don't want to do nothing else. They want to get high all day. And when I say all day, they wake up high, they they live high, and they go to sleep high. And is this I'm just I'm just curious, is this all marijuana based or it, are it, they, it don't make matter? it don't make no difference. It don't make it could be marijuana, it could be grass, it could be dirt, whatever it is, whatever their choice of drug is, the people that don't wanna work, all they wanna do is get high. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. That's all they want to do. Just, just want to get high all day. Because <laughs> <laughs> I got high. I was going to clean my room until I got high. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. So the only ones that aren't working. The only ones that ain't working that don't want to work is because all they want to do is get high. Now, let's switch the narrative. There are there, there are some people out here, man, that's tired of getting high. Because I got high. Because I got high. Mix master. See, I could be your DJ. I'm just, I'll just DJ mix, your speech. Mix master, Jamie. I'm still waiting for you to play my song. Well, dude, man. Are you, I, I came up with the song and then you told not me not to that, play that. That's, that's not the that's not the Donald Trump supporter rally song. Hold on a second, then. Darn it! I had the other one up. That's not my song. Oh, here. I got three of them. Uh, okay. I'm talking about the I put one with the, the Henry Davis Trump song in there and the Google and the thing. No, don't go to Google. Go to go to uh you can go to my page or go to my Facebook page. You know. But anyway, the 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 the, the ones that want to work mm-hmm. are working. I'm talking about uh single moms they're getting their, they they're taking advantage of the daycare programs. See, I give props with props. That's do. awesome. They taking care. They got some daycares out here that will that will, uh, you know, work with you mm-hmm. if you don't have daycare. They got transportation services that will take you back and forth to work if you don't have a car at the moment or whatever. And they just take maybe 5 or $6 out of your paycheck a day, you know, something like that. These black communities are starting to bind and, and, and bond together because the work is out here. So do you think once re-election comes around for Donald Trump, do you think a more majority of the African-American population will vote for Donald Trump, even if they didn't vote for him the first time? Absolutely. I know so many people now that are coming out of the closet. I call them closet Trumpers. Okay. They're coming out of the closet. They're like, man, I like Donald. Because when I I wear my shirt, you know, I wear my shirt in the neighborhood. Yeah. And they say, uh, Henry, man, you see us? Mm -hmm. They say, Henry, man, uh, uh, you voted for Trump. I said, did I? What do you mean, did I vote for? Keep going. Keep going. I was going to find the Trump song, but I got high. It's, 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 you'll see him. So it's gone. Henry Davis, Trump song. So so they like, Henry, you voted for Trump. They said, why you vote for Trump? I said, why didn't you? 
They said, I did vote for him. I'm like, oh, really? Really? Who knew? I'm finding a lot of people that are coming out and that are not ashamed to say that they voted for Trump. I kind of like Donald Trump, man, because Barack Obama didn't do a damn thing for us. He didn't do nothing for us. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't do absolutely nothing. Okay, yeah, that's the one that Herman Cain tweeted. I can't find the Trump going, song, and going. I know why. Keep going. Because I am high. Because I am high. Because I am high. Just keep going. Just keep going. Come on, man. Here it comes. But, uh, I was going to ask you about Herman Cain, by the way, when you get done there. Because I like Herman Cain. I like Herman Cain. And Herman Cain, because I was on the Herman Cain train. You Back was? when he was running. Oh, yeah, I loved Herman oh, Cain. Wow. I loved his whole 999 idea. Yeah. The whole person. The 999 plan. 999 plan. And then he got, you know, it, it was so easy to off him because he got burned on that car note thing. Yeah. And can you believe nowadays, under these circumstances, that would have never been an issue? You know, because no. he was paying the car note for some woman he was hanging well, out with. I, 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 I wouldn't have. I don't know. I just think that he, like you said, he 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 got he he got scared away too quick. You know? uh, yeah. I agree, I, but you know something happened where he was just kind of run out so suddenly that 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 it just seems suspicious to me. There it is. Okay, hang on. I just found the Trump song. That's it. That's the Donald uh, Trump song. Now wait a minute. This is the Fred Sanford thing. <laughs> no one has ever heard words to the Fred Sanford. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, Sanford and Have, you, Sanford and Have you ever heard the yeah. words to it? No. Okay. Here are the words to it. Okay. okay. Ready to go? This, this the words. Okay. okay. This is this Let's is uh, Henry Davis, and the is it's called he ain't no punk. No, it's his name is Donald. Oh, okay. It just says he ain't no punk. Right yeah, there. yeah, he ain't. But his you guys gonna <laughs> light up that cigar while you listen to it? Hold on. Did you see that cigar that he got in there? His name is Donald. He's draining the swamp and building that wall for y'all. President, USA. Stop the Democrats. They hate him. We elected him November 8. There ain't nothing you can do. I said his name is Donald. Oh! Donald, Donald, Donald Trump. Gonna make America great Woo! Yay! Love it, man. That was really good. I never knew. I did never uh, know that the uh, Saverson theme had had words to it. And, and that's you know, what it was. Even back then, I think those were the words. I they think just those didn't were know the words. Yeah. They just didn't know. Thanks, man. Thanks for playing. <laughs> I my love song, you, buddy, man. That's I great. You, man. We got this. Thanks, man. Put that up on the. Y'all gotta Facebook have me page. back home. Y'all gotta have me back home. Uh, what was that noise? I don't it was know. my. It was my Hi. computer. What's up, everybody? Hey, that's Jay Money. Y'all hey! see Jay Money? Now, where is this compared to where that is? That's my oh. live. That's my phone looking at us right now. That's my phone. And then the camera is the one that he and had. And this See, come oh, on up. is the wide shot. That's the wide shot. Oh, wow. See, we, okay. we in two places at one time, baby. How you doing? What's oh. happening? I love this. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey, come over here, man. Okay. I know everybody okay. can see you up close. Hey. Hey. See, Ebony. <laughs> And ivory <laughs> go <laughs> together in perfect. Where'd you go? Harmony. 
side by side on my piano keyboard oh lord why don't we that's it that's it jamie that's it baby that's it right now i love you man there it is oh what do you say emily and ivory built together in perfect harmony side by side on my piano keyboard oh lord why don't we verse here come the verse you want me to get the verse go ahead baby okay here we go we all know that people are the same wherever you go there is good and bad in everyone go jamie i don't know to live, <laughs> we learn to give each other what we need to survive together alive ever need and ivory live together in perfect harmony side by side on my piano Keyboard, oh Lord, why don't we? <laughs> you guys did great. We got a party going on, y'all, right here at Radio, Radio Free, Free Omen. Radio Free Omen. Yes, sir. We're in South St. Louis, ladies and gentlemen, on the hill. Ebony and Ivory, black people and white people getting along. Oh, yes, Lord. <laughs> One more time. That people are the same wherever you go. There is good and bad mm -hmm, in everyone. When we learn to live, when we learn to give each other what we need to survive, together alive, ever need. And ivory live together in perfect harmony, side by side on my piano, keyboard, oh Lord, why don't we? Yes. On my piano, keyboard, oh Lord, why don't we? Alright, man. I love you. I love you too, brother. Thanks for having me, Jamie. Mwah. I love you, man. Henry Davis, people. I love y'all. I love you, man. Love you too, Henry. That's the Henry most fun you. I've had in a long time. <laughs> Henry, it was great meeting you. I just yeah. likewise, brother. Thank you. I just want to say <laughs> I just want to say to all of the people that are watching Radio Free Almond. I'm telling y'all right now, if you didn't know, you are the conservative voice on Radio Free All. <laughs> Peace. Love it. Thank you, brother. Yep. Henry? You are the best. Great meeting you. You are the man. Thank you. I'm gone. I love y'all, man. I'll call you. Hey, listen. As we leave. <laughs>
I want to make sure we stay together. So we'll see you again on the Radio Free Almond. Henry Davis. Yes, sir. All right. I'm so Davis is great, man. I just tell, I gotta tell you, the the minute I the minute I saw that tape a long time ago, it was like I had to get him on, and because I was kind of my own, obviously my own boss over there in uh, TV land, I had more of an opportunity to have him on on a regular basis, and he was great on TV and just has such a good soul and a good heart. Yeah, I and agree. He was in the Marine Corps, you know, too. Is he? He was a Marine? Yeah. I shouldn't say was. Yeah, no, he I know. He is a Marine. I know. I always, and it's always the big thing. It's like, yo, mm-hmm. once a Marine, always a Marine. Yeah, it's still true. am. It's true. Yeah. But, but he, no, he's, he served his country well. And, That's and awesome. And he's, he's a, just a good guy. And so uh, he and I have been friends for a long time, but it's great to have, have him in. It's just like fun. so much fun. <laughs> I know. That was really fun. <laughs> 
Oh, I'm not a singer Lord. though, but I enjoyed watching. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a singer either, dude. Oh, you sounded great. Well, I was this guy. I was riding on Henry. Sounded like a songbird. <laughs> I was riding on Henry's coattails there. So a uh, great discussion too. Uh, you know, because that's the great thing is that, you know because I, I think we got a good grasp and you had some excellent questions there about the the wages and jobs and things like that. And the problem is though, we talked to him, but other people don't. People who we we matter obviously, uh, but most of our people. Are it, he's confirming what we already suspect? Right. I'd love it if, like, somebody from one of the other channels or the newspaper bothered to interview people. And I will tell you though, and th- and this to me, and again, I don't mean to just pick gratuitously on liberals or progressives, sure. but the problem is that for the most part, even black people in the media see other black people as so hapless and helpless. And, and that's what always disturbs me so mm. much. And I do believe that as much as an issue sometimes that we have with uh, GW, I'll never forget when he talked, I think it was at the State of the Union or one of those things, when he talked about the soft bigotry of low expectations. And it is, it's, it's so prevalent in our general society, in the news media, and sometimes mm. even in the black community itself. And you know what? That's people act point. like only the only blacks have an issue with this. White people do too. If you go to some communities there, uh, they they do the same thing to each other. Which is, if you if you're successful or you want to break out of the mold, you're treated like you're some kind of heretic or some kind of traitor, and it keeps people down. But for the most part, though, in order for many people to continue on with the agenda that they have. Uh, like a school shooting, for instance, is a perfect vehicle for these people to advance gun control legislation. Yeah. Even though if they really wanted to deal with the problem, they see murder every single day, these white liberals do in Chicago, in mm-hmm. St. Louis, mm-hmm. as you point out. And yet they do nothing about that They because they know what the answer is. And the answer is them being out of office and somebody conservative and fiscally conservative and pro-growth in office. But they don't ever want to admit that. So they always have to make sure it's the guy at the gun show who's responsible for the people who are killing themselves as opposed to the environment that we live in and the economic environment that we live in. And that's how they are. So, But no one wants to talk to Henry Davis because most of the time, and I remember this when I was in TV a long time ago, the only time you really ever saw black people on TV is when they were in an orange jumpsuit. And, and, and that's always been the case. There were never anybody, you never interviewed anybody who was a success, successful black person right. or this because you had all this stereotype going on. And if somebody would just talk to him in the, in the news media, but you know what? Even then, he was on the show with me sometime, Ryan. And he, they, they, people would call the heat yep. phone. That's the heat phone. Yep. girl for it, actually. Yeah. She's blue. She's blue. <laughs> Bring the heat phone in because I didn't. I because to me the red phone might have some bad mojo to it. You know what I mean? Like I didn't. I no, didn't want to yeah, bring yeah, in any, anything from from that studio. So I brought in the girlfriend though. This heat phone's girlfriend. Yeah, no, she people, looks great. I know because she, she's got a nice color to her too, <laughs> doesn't she? <laughs> she does. But but the uh, people call the heat phone and they were black people and and Henry Davis was basically an Uncle Tom or oh, a traitor. Okay. And yep. of course, never mind that, that actually Uncle Tom. People have the wrong idea about Uncle Tom, but I'll, I'll do my Uncle Tom story okay. some other day. I thought what you said was really good, though, and I totally forgot about that speech by GW about the soft bigotry of low expectations, which is a kind of a little bit of what he was touching on when he said that 
you know, it, it's kind of to be expected that all of these food stamp programs and, and government assistance programs, like they must have that. Otherwise, the um, African-American population couldn't survive when what he's saying is that it's not just surviving, it's thriving. And it's in spite, it's, it's without these uh, food stamps and all that. It's with jobs, yeah, and, and I do believe that uh, was awesome, right? And and there's this idea somehow too, uh, in the in the white controlled media that 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 black people cannot live without the Democratic that's, Party. Yep. I mean, that, that's that's the whole the thing. That, that, yeah, the government has to be the your, your answer all the time. And in fact, that's why, for instance, you know, you had a situation where President President Obama at one point was going to end the the charitable deduction, for instance. Okay, and because in in that world, they they want the government to do that. Charities were actually competition for their statist view of government, and they they actually wanted charities to die because then pe- people would more be dependent on the government. Because when you're more dependent on the government. Then you're more dependent on the people who use government to hand things out. Well, and those people are Democrats. That's how it all works. Yep. You secure an entire voter base. Is Jimmy Jimmy Hoff there? I can get him on. Yeah, let's yep. get him. Sorry, we were. That's okay. No, I just yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure we no, uh, good. had him on because I've been putting him off all all, all morning long. He's normally. Good morning this morning, Jim Hoff. <laughs> Oh, we're sorry. You have reached a number that has been disconnected or is not. Did I give you the wrong number? No, I. Well, there's two numbers. Hold on, it's trying to read my face, and it's like you're not. That's yeah, not Oven. your face. I need to program my face into that. So, <laughs> so um. All right, I'll try his other number. I tried his the top one. Uh, no, do that. That you uh, do the do the cell number. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Okay, hey, that's to, okay. To, didn't tell you the right thing. Yeah, it's all right. So he's all over this whole deal regarding the deep state and John Brennan and Jeff Sessions. And John Brennan, to me, that guy is one dangerous hack out there. One deep state monster. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Deep state swamp monster. Oh. Good morning. Good morning this morning, Jimmy Hoff. How you doing, buddy? Great, Jamie. How's it going? Uh, doing great, and and we just had Henry on. And thanks for your patience in terms of just kind of working things around uh, this morning and always being available to us great. as as you always are. But man, you are all over this uh, Department of Justice, FBI, and the John Brennan story. I'm so glad you're focusing on this. This guy is one dangerous cookie. No kidding. Um, we have a big story on the Drudge Report right now, and this was yesterday. Brennan started firing off all these tweets, and that's after Trump, you know, started tweeting about himself uh, how the uh, FBI had an informant inside his campaign. So Trump tweeted some things out. John Brennan responded by threatening Trump and then warning Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell to take care of this. It's uh, it, this is uh, Jamie. There's not a dull moment anymore. I think we're reaching, uh, you know, some sort of a, a peak moment where uh, uh, this is c- going to come to a head. And uh, this morning, then I just put up a couple of posts where Trump now he went after Obama, saying where was Barack Obama, um, and and then he uh, retweeted Dan Bongino's 
performance on Fox and Friends earlier, which was about John Brennan and how crooked John Brennan is. So this is this is getting really uh, we're down to the pay dirt now, Jamie. No doubt. Well, Brennan is the guy that most people ID as one guy who, if there was some kind of special prosecutor to look into the deep state's activities, whether it be spying, whether it be falsifying documents, Brennan would be the one guy who would almost surely be indicted, which is why he's going crazy and has been for as long as he has, and probably why he commandeered uh, the the signing of that letter by the intelligence community. Remember that before President Trump was elected, there were 117 guys or whatever who signed some kind of document saying President Trump was, is uh-huh. dangerous. Brennan was all part of that too. Oh, yeah, I, I, I remember that for sure. And, 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 and what's scary is that, you know, whenever you talk about the deep state, remember the days when we would talk about the deep state and what right. the, and it would, everybody would say that we're a bunch of paranoid people. Spirits. There really isn't a deep state. And, and John Brennan and these guys served honorably. How dare you attack the people who risked their lives for the safety <laughs> of this country? It's like, oh, Lord. I mean, and by the way, uh, Jeff Sessions here, I suggested earlier that. Sessions, when he recused himself, actually, it turns out it's a lot more damaging, that recusal, than we thought at first. Because now he basically is just a eunuch. He can't do anything. Right, right. And and he won't do anything. And uh, he needs to really, uh, you know, I mean, talk about, uh, you know, I, I wrote yesterday that he's a traitor. Now, a lot of people may disagree with that. But this guy's AWOL. He's been AWOL since he got into office. And uh, the deep state is trying to take down this president. I've always, you know, Jamie, it's such a switch from what we saw from uh, Jeff Sessions earlier in his career. He was such a, you know, a junkyard dog. He was always out in front fighting. And then all of a sudden he becomes attorney general and he just leaks, slinks into the background. And um, it's just so out of character. I really, uh, a lot of people, including myself, I'm wondering, what do they have on Sessions? That he's just, uh, you know, that he's melted away. Well, so uh, I, it's a disgrace, his, his actions. and uh, uh, He's very dangerous. As Judge Janine said on Saturday night, Jeff Sessions is the most dangerous man in America. And I truly believe that, too. I do, too. And, he, and I, I think, actually, it's worse than the idea that what do they have on him. It's even more cynical than that. I remember that Sessions and others have, have even plainly stated that oftentimes these guys are afraid of going against their own. And as much as Sessions, I think, stood up for President Trump, I I appreciated that, Mm -hmm. that he was one of the first out of the block to support him. The reality is, as it turns out, and maybe he didn't know this when he was uh, working for President Trump, that once he got into office, he he quickly determined that there was a deep state problem and when he recused himself, I think it was more than just him simply recusing himself. It was him knowing that he would ultimately have to investigate some people that he knew and that he was very familiar with as a U.S. senator for as long as he was, and that he just didn't have the guts to do it. And so he recused himself and I think totally played President Trump and, and, and totally undermined him and threw him under the bus when he made that recusal. Now, President Trump at the time was, Absolutely. A, was angry about it, but I think also because President Trump knew what I'm just telling you. Right, right. And we've seen Trump, uh, he's said several times now over the past year and a half that uh, 
If he would have known Jeff Sessions would have recused himself within 24 hours, right? Yeah. Uh, he never would have picked him as attorney general. And we all know that. And uh, it's interesting, too, that, uh, that former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani has come out and said that his biggest regret was not taking that job. So we know he was offered that. And that's really unfortunate because uh, I think Rudy would have been much different than uh, Jeff Sessions, who, again, has just been AWOL watching this president go through this this uh, incredible obstacles that he's had to go through. Uh, it, it's amazing uh, looking at Trump that he's still standing after just this onslaught over the past year and a half. So you have to give Trump a lot of credit. Well, and you know what? Rudy Giuliani may yet be attorney general. Mm-hmm. You know, you never know. I hope so. By the way, one, yeah, of my, I hope so. one of my favorite lines on the Gateway Pundit this morning is, uh, is the well, there's, there's a, uh, Barack Obama back in the day, and then there is the this didn't age well, which is a great line, Jimmy Hoff. You know what didn't age well? This from April 10th of 2016. I guarantee it. You, I guarantee that there's no political influence in any Oh, yeah. Investigation conducted by the Justice Department or the FBI, um, not just in this case, but in any yeah, case. And she will full stop. Uh, oh, and she will be treated no different. Uh, I don't know if you're going to play the video there. But um, uh, where he's talking about uh, uh, that, how awful it was that Americans believed that yeah. the Obama mm-hmm. administration was spying on Trump. Obama! And of, of course, uh, now we know it's true. Yeah, I mean, and and him sitting there in front of Chris Wallace like that, and it's com, and basically saying, being, saying unequivocally that there is no undue influence in any investigation, when surely, unless Obama was completely in the dark, completely ignorant, or completely dumb, had to have known yeah. what was going on, or at least part of what was going on. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think uh, Barack Obama wasn't honest a lot of times. I think we're starting to see that. And, uh, you know, he said the same thing about the IRS when uh, they were accused of targeting conservatives. Obama told O'Reilly that, uh, you know, this never happened. Uh, you know, he was very firm about it. And then we know now, just last week, that these Tea Party groups were awarded $3.5 million because the IRS was targeting them. So uh, I don't think much of Barack Obama or what he says. You know, it's amazing to me, even as you just simply uh, unleash that litany of half-truths and lies, that's not even mentioning the situation in Benghazi, where the president of the United States, the commander-in-chief, came out. And although he used people to lie for him, basically did lie about, oh, it's a YouTube video. That's a YouTube video. Yeah, yeah. That's proper to YouTube. And then it's like, you know, all the news media is hanging outside the YouTube video yep. producer's house and everything else. It turns out it had nothing to do with the YouTube video at all. Right. Do you, and they sent that man to prison over that lie. That was just insane. Yeah. Do you think, why, why do you think it is that, that John Brennan at this point is so, I mean, he has come out, I mean, he is extremely <laughs> defensive. What, what is it? that has got him so defensive about this. Do you think it's because it it could potentially expose him? Oh, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, we've seen this for a year and a half, and it all makes sense now. They've been uh, screaming and hollering all year about Trump and this and that and throwing up all these smoke screens. I uh, I think we know now why they did that. I think 
as hard as they were fighting against Trump means that there must be a lot of dirt there before this thing's all done with. I think we're going to find a whole lot more out about their corruption. Well, what's crazy is I think they really honestly thought that this would be over by now, that Mm -hmm. there there would be at some point where President Trump just couldn't handle the pressure anymore or that Mueller would find something and it hasn't happened. And these guys, they, they, they just don't know what to do. And Brennan you know, they, with these threats that he's making and everything else, I mean, this is it's, this is reprehensible. <laughs> this guy, and he runs oh, to Mitch, crazy, and he it? runs to Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan. Like, what are these <laughs> two clowns going to do? I know I call them clowns because why? You know what they think these two guys are going to stop Obama or, or stop Trump from uh, running this investigation. Well, he assumes yeah, that they will because that's what that's that's so far how the swamp is operated. They go out there and 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 scold the president. Mm-hmm. And remember, at the time when when even there was a mere suggestion, like somebody would mention on Twitter, you know, Trump may fire mm-hmm. Mueller, even though Trump never said he was going to. And yet, at the same time, then there's Lindsey Graham going there talking. He's like, I hope he doesn't fire Mueller. It's like you know, <laughs> I mean, they, they, these guys all stand up and and make a big a flake, makes a big Senate floor speech and everything else when there's zero truth to the whole thing. So he, he yeah, I think absolutely. Brennan, I think Brennan knows that some people in the swamp are reliably uh, cowardly enough yeah, to get out there soldiers. and say something like that. Yeah. yeah. By the way, do you see? I know you're a fan here's of why Beck. I'm. Pr- did you did you see Glenn Beck uh, on his show now? <laughs> he he, he basically, That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, but you know what? It was a yeah. backhanded slap, though. And, and I don't know. Can you hear my video when Predicting I'm playing? A twenty twenty. Can you hear that? Uh, no, I can't. But I uh, nope. Okay. Well, anyway, Glenn Beck, I'll play it for the people. Just hang loose there for a second. Here's why I'm predicting a 2020 win. When I saw yesterday how the press was all reporting the same damn story that Donald Trump was calling MS-13 gang members, they left that out of the story, animals, and they were spinning it as if he was saying that about all immigrants, I'd had enough. I'd have enough. Media, if you can get me, Glenn Beck, to do this, and in case you're only listening to us on radio, I just donned a red Make America Great Again hat. If you can drive me to the point to where I say, "Uh, you know what, I've had enough, I'll vote for him in 2020 gladly I'll vote for him in 2020 and not really even on his record, which we'll talk about here in a second is pretty damn amazing. But if you can drive me to the point to where I'll wear one of these stupid red hats, that point I'm like, click. I'm not going to, I mean, because that's that, that's that Glenn Beck couldn't go for more than one minute and 12 seconds without somehow (laughs) disparaging Trump supporters and calling the red hat this stupid red hat. This guy never learns. Yeah. I think it's amazing, Jamie. And uh, here's the thing, too. I wrote about this this weekend. Uh, And I put up a a few lines from during the election. Uh, And if you recall, Jamie, and I know you do, he used to come out daily and and trash Trump Mm -hmm. voters as... uh, KKK and Nazis. He would use that word all the time. 
And uh, he didn't apologize to the Trump voters, the 60 million Trump voters in this uh, little, uh, you know, uh, confession he made the other day. Um, he, he did apologize to Trump. I'll give him credit for that. Yeah. But he was a disgrace. And he even said, and I posted this up uh, last week, too, when he made this announcement, he even said he was going to vote for Hillary Clinton. Yeah. I mean, how do you trust somebody like that? Well, he could apologize. He can apologize all he wants, but the reality is he and others, in my opinion, incited violence against Trump supporters when he talked about them being brown shirts and only emboldened. Because I, I don't know how many people in the Republican Party and people who called themselves conservatives stood on the sidelines while people were being punched, kicked, egged, bottled, hit by baseball bats standing outside of Trump rallies in what was the most un-American displays uh, I've ever seen in the United States of America, at least as, uh, you know, in modern time. Mm. And, and yet people right. like Beck and others stood by and, in fact, in my opinion, egged it on yeah. by declaring that we were all a bunch of Nazis. And so and he and his spawns did all the same thing. And then when it happened, it was almost like we deserved the kind of violence that was meted out. So it only emboldened some of these people. And that, that's disturbing to me enough. Absolutely. Yep. And we saw that time and time again. We saw, remember, when uh, Trump came here to St. Louis and then he went to Chicago for a night rally and they had to call that off. We found out later that Obama and uh, the Democrats had sent in thugs to beat head. Right. Um, and when they called that off, uh, there were several of these uh, anti-Trumpers who blamed uh, Trump for all of this, for this violence where they're getting their ass beat when they're uh, at a rally just because they supported Trump. You know, that was very disgraceful. And you're absolutely right. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. And the media, of course, they never reported on how uh, there was 200 people who got whooped uh, outside the Trump rally in San Jose. And now there's lawsuits. Uh, the media never covers this sort of stuff. They only cover, you know, if, if one little uh, incident happens where a 78 year old uh, Trump supporter Jack's a, uh, a protester screaming at a rally. That Chicago situation, I remember that was the first time uh, that I actually, at that point, lost all respect for Ted Cruz and John Kasich. Now, I disagree with them on a few things here and there and understood that it was just kind of the heat of battle. And to this day, I still hope that Senator Cruz gets reelected. I still think he's been uh, very good to President Trump, and so I, I don't hold any ill will to him now. Uh, but back in that day, I'll never forget these guys when they came out and they were interviewed and they said, see, when you lose this kind of language, that's what happens. Yeah. And I was so pissed off when that happened. And yep. when they said that, both Kasich and Cruz, and I, I, I mean, I can forgive. I mean, Cruz has been a fairly, fairly decent guy lately. And I, and I get it. But, but at that time, I was just absolutely incensed when I saw that. Yeah, Absolutely. And they knew better. And that's what was a disgrace. And then Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, you should have seen the kind of criticism that he got from these from some of these folks. I mean, back in the day, it wasn't, you know, I got a little bit of pushback, but I, I but but I didn't get the kind of disparagement that people like Jimmy Hoff got right. just for merely putting. Uh, and this wasn't it wasn't just a pro Trump thing. I mean, uh, Jimmy Hoff and me both were in the same situation. We didn't exactly 
we weren't in this because it was going to help us sell books or right. help our product. We were in this because, and, we, and <laughs> we didn't we didn't wait till we found out whether there were a lot of supporters for President Trump. We basically saw what was going on and felt really deeply that President Trump was the one guy who could win. And the, also the person who was speaking a language that Republicans hadn't spoken before. And so, you were proved right. Exactly. But still, they tried to run Jimmy Hoft out, and you stood, stood tall, buddy. You're a brave dude. Thanks, Jamie. You too. All right, man. TheGatewayPundit.com. Always great to have you on Radio Free Allman, and we appreciate you, buddy. Thanks, Jamie. All right. Have take a good care. Week. Yeah, you too. Yeah, this thing is this thing with the deep state is really super scary. The power that these guys have yeah. is pretty amazing. Well, I mean, it, it's so powerful. They're trying to put Trump in jail over. You know what I mean? It, this runs deep. They would love nothing more than to impeach and imprison Trump. Right. So I was. I'm going to wait. I guess I'll wait until tomorrow because. There was a um, – I, remember I told the story about Julius Hunter last Which week? The, the one about us drinking. Oh, yeah. Kind of okay. And, 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 and people wanted to hear the story about – and we were talking about Anchorman <laughs> and everything else. People wanted, wanted – they wanted to hear the uh, Dave Murray and Patrick Emery <laughs> I saw that. vegetable story. <laughs> So remind me to talk about that tomorrow because we were like two minutes away from having to get out of here. Yeah. And I, I want to make sure we talk about that because okay. that was a good one. Because we were talking about how Anchorman we thought was. But Dave Murray's still on the air. Right. But he and Patrick Emery hated each other on Channel 5. And Emery <laughs> just, just had so little regard for Dave Murray because he thought Dave Murray was kind of a pansy. I happen to like Dave Murray. This but, but Dave Murray had his little garden. And he, and he'd bring up the vegetables, okay. you know. Uh, okay, I'll tell it now. Okay, tell it now. Because I want to get to this one thing where these guys were these. Well, that's all right. Okay, let me tell it now. I want to hear it. How long is it going to be? Like three minutes. Okay, that's perfect. I'll tell. I'll tell it tomorrow too. Then. Okay. For the people who aren't listening it at uh, eight fifty six. <laughs> Just want to let you know really quick. Since since it's Radio Free Elman, I could go to nine oh three if I wanted to, you but. Could. But did you see this CBS CNN panel? These guys all said that it's okay that people took President Trump's use of the word animal out of context because of the other stuff he said prior to that. Listen to this dude. The idea that that's unfair criticism, I think, ignores the fact that for the past, what, three years now, the president has made this consistent linkage between Hispanic immigrants and crime and Hispanic immigrants and disorder. And so in his campaign announcement speech, you know, so he's saying, being... So, so he's saying, based on past statements, they're more than okay to go ahead and misconstrue current statements. And I haven't gotten to Brian Stetler being, basically, Stelter being just mowed over by Kellyanne Conway. It's the greatest thing. But I'll maybe deal with that tomorrow because it really it, it, it speaks to the Russia investigation and how the news media continues this lie yeah. about Russian hacking and how it influenced the election when there is, z- I'm talking about zero proof it had anything to do with manipulating the election or changing the results of the election or anything. The Russia hacking story is, first of all, 
a pack of lies. It is, yep. Uh, we've never, but we, we, have we ever seen an ad they talked about that the Russians took out on Facebook? They always talk about these ads, yes. but, but miraculously, they never actually have one no. to show us. No, it's, it's all hypotheticals. Again, it, it's to build a narrative, and you nowadays on the media do not have to talk in facts. No, just in, just in conjecture. Yeah, we could probably go another hour, but, we won't, but here's the deal. Um, <laughs> So Patrick Emery and Dave Murray. So okay. so back in the days of Channel Five, this is like in the seventies, and Patrick Emery at the time was was the news anchor, and Dave Murray was the weatherman, the meteorologist. And that was back in the day, still when you really didn't have to be a meteorologist necessarily. You just stick a cloud up on a Velcro map, and <laughs> it's going to be cloudy over here and sunny over there. You really were just more of an entertainer, which I like better anyway. I do too. You know, Ali Raman, those guys, yeah. they, it's just having some guy up there in a clown suit is good good enough for me. And Ali Raman's still alive, by the way. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, Patrick Emery's up there, and at, at the end of, you know, the, the 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 newscast Murray would sometimes like bring up like oh here's the here, here's here, cause he had a garden and he, he and his <laughs> wife like gardened it was it was fine yeah you know, sure it was cool. of course yeah, you know, yeah. you know. and so he would bring up like these fall like bring up the fall line of the uh, of the um, like gourds and things like that yeah and like what's growing well and, yeah here's and, yeah, yeah. And, and so he would bring the stuff up to display it on the <laughs> on the set. Okay. And so he one night he brought a couple of these gourds and things like that up on the set and Patrick Emery like would have none of this kind of gardening stuff, you know. He was like, you know, kind of that kind of guy, that kind of anchorman type of guy. Uh, the, the the three martini lunch guy. You know? Okay, he was he was he was the Mad Men. You know. Okay, sure. And, and Dave Murray I'm was more like, the, oh, look at my garden. Yeah, know? he's more like Alan Alda. <laughs> okay. So anyway, he brings up these things, and then of course they always have a thing called the glory shot. So you are uh, you are on the air, and then you're like, good night, everybody, and we'll see you. And then they have a big glory shot, but the mics are still on sometimes. Oh, yeah, I know what you're and talking as about. As they were going to yeah. their glory shot, which is the big shot there, yeah. um, Patrick Emery picks up one of the gourds and says to Dave Murray, bend over. No. <laughs> and it's all on the air. And, the, and, Mur- and Patrick Emery got fired for that. He lost his job yeah. over it. Well, that was probably one of the factors, yeah. But he, Man, but he told so Dave you're Murray never to, too big. You're to ne- bend over. Yeah, like, I don't care how big you are, you know, or how good you think you are, like, for your job. One mistake, and you could be toast. But see, I think that's entertaining. Like, if, I, if, I'm, the, if I'm the people, back oh. in those days, it probably was a little bit risque. Yeah, I think that borders the line of <laughs> entertainment and sexual harassment. Well, I know, but it's just a gourd. <laughs> I mean, you know. I mean, come uh, on. I well, I guess, I guess back in those days, it was more like you know, uh, just <laughs> it was the seventies. You had to be a little more proper. But yeah. Then now, oh no way. And he, he and he. Uh, I think things were more lax back then. Well, then, then all the more. Well, no. To tell you the truth, I think they, that would never happen on local news now. Like you'd never have a guy. Telling the weatherman to bend over when he held a, held a gourd. Right. No, I know. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like now. Yeah. 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 Now, now is a, the people are a lot more um, 
crazy now. But at the same time, though, if you did do that, then I get what they you had mean. a few. They had a, a few disagreements over whether that was cool or not. But that's I a would, wild I would, I story. I and now look at Dave Murray. I mean, he didn't go anywhere. He's still no. growing vegetables in his Patrick garden. Patrick Emery wound up like I think on CNN at one time, oh, wow. and I, I'm convinced that I, I, I'm people generally are fairly certain that Anchorman was mapped out. That's hilarious. At, at least in terms of of a mosaic mapped out by the St. Louis market because the cowboy hat guy and yeah. Herb Humphreys, and then the anchor uh, man, and and Patrick Emery was probably the quintessential. Anchorman, he—I don't think he'll admit it, but you I know. wonder if you can get that video of, you know, that old tape of that somewhere. happening. I'm sure somewhere. Steve Schiff was like that too. Steve Schiff over Channel Four when he worked yeah. with Julius, and Schiff was the, the same kind of guy. But I like those those days of See, TV were that. great. Now yeah. people are such so milk toasty and green, and those seem to have any kind of seasoning about them at all. Oh no, I agree. I was watching. I know I'm going over, but I was watching a story because there was a, a a boat crash at like the Ozarks. Uh, and they were reporting on it from Kansas City, and I watched. My wife and I were watching this this newscast. It was awful. I mean, I felt like I was watching college program. Yeah. They're just and today <laughs> at one thirty four a.m. Yeah, like what is that? And they and they can't you know they can't add. Oh, come on, they can't add lib worth a damn. No, that's the them. point. Yeah, it's just pure red. I mean, when I did my when I did my TV show uh, at Channel Thirty, I never had a script. I would, do, I would do all my no final words. You know, occasionally we do like a couple of like a newsreel here and there where I like do some legislative stuff or whatever. But very rarely would I, I, I would ad lib the intros yeah. and everything else. And it was just kind of like, you know, because you got to know your material. Most right. people don't really actually know the material. So, we, so once the prompter stops, they're like, uh oh, yeah, what am I going to do? But that's not like, but it has happened in the old days before where pro- people were prompter frozen. Because I remember, uh, there's a guy named Bill Bonds in Detroit who's a great okay. old grizzled kind of news anchor. <laughs> and if the prompter stopped in the middle, he, he'd call for prompter. He'd go, prompter? No. Right in the middle of the <laughs> newscast. Oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Too bad things aren't uh, loosey-goosey like they are. Man, it was an exciting show. I still Andrew, wouldn't watch the news. There? Yeah, no, uh, we had... A great, great, great show. Yeah, and, and uh, we had Peter Pfeiffer... Who I forgot was coming in. You have a cigar. I got a over cigar. There from you, him? you don't have, and you have a. I lost a water, but I donated five dollars to the Peter Pfeiffer campaign. <laughs> is that water really eleven thousand years old? Oh, you bet it is. You can mm. taste it. You can taste it. Taste the fossils. All right, so. Have a great wish, David. Don't forget, we've got our. I just made the airplane arrangements, arrangements for Doug Giles. Coming up from Austin, Don't Texas, to be with us on the 8th and 9th of June. We're going to have our book Don't signing and then the big old barbecue. And we think we pretty much have the site of the barbecue nailed down. If you guys have any. If you guys have a favorite, we've got a couple already, but if you guys have a favorite food truck that you kind of like or would like to see out there, I think we're going to food truck. Yes. And we've got a couple already, but if you guys have any ideas for a food truck, we'll pop it out there. And I'm in negotiations with some folks who uh, know how to make beer, so we're going to follow up on that too, okay? 
Have a great rest of your day, everybody. Thanks a ton for listening to Radio 3 All Men.